episode 122 of the Cinefessions podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts. My name's Brandon Shawin, and joining me tonight is my other co-host, Mark Nadeau. Mark, how? <laughs> I, I, I want to ask you how everything's going tonight, but I know how everything's going tonight because we've been together for the past 45 minutes yes. trying to get this thing to work. So. <laughs> trying to make this a better oh. podcast with the tools we've got. So exactly, yeah. first time exactly. using GarageBand, folks. <laughs> yes, so far so we good. are. We're doing what they call a double ender. Now, it sounds a lot more fun than it is. Like, it sounds really dirty and just like, man, Mark and I are having a good time tonight. Ass to ass. (laughs) Oh, man. So hopefully the quality, one, the quality will be better. Yeah. And two, it'll be easier to edit. So hopefully you guys will notice an an uptick in quality and uh, the hard work will be be worth it. But other than that, Mark, how, uh, how was your week treating you? Good. Good. Short days off. Only three days off. So, and oh, did it stop recording? I I legit don't know. Oh, no, it's still recording. It's a bar 244. It's just, ah, fuck. I fucked everything up. Uh, (laughs) I'm still recording, but I guess the thing stopped moving. So, but I I see it's still recording. So, uh, folks, this is stuff you don't usually hear from a modern pro (laughs) podcast, but we're going to... 122 episodes in. We're going we're gonna to peer beneath the, uh, behind the curtain here, folks, and show you that the Wizard of Oz is but a man. That's um, fucking hilarious. Okay, so we're good. Um, yeah. So my days so, off are pretty good. Good. Uh, Worst sh- case, we have a backup, so we're fine. Yeah. But. Uh, short, uh, you know, because I'm not three days off. I'm working overtime tomorrow, so I'm working six days in a row coming up. Uh, so I tried to get as much movie watching as I could. Um, oh, I fell down the stairs, which is a first. <laughs> are you serious so that was awesome yeah only a oh few my stairs gosh. but uh yeah wow i'm okay but uh, melissa was saying that uh, she'd be happy to give me one of those chairs that go up and down the elevators you know right. like, like in gremlins with that old lady yep. so yep. Uh, i don't think i'm there just yet i Not just need quite. to make sure i get proper footing so that's hilarious if anybody wants to mail me some grippy socks you can send it to P.O. Box twelve twenty six care of Cinefessions. There uh, you go. Yeah, but I'm good. I'm good. Excellent. Well, I'm yeah. happy to hear that. I'm excited tomorrow night, uh, which uh, Thursday night, I will be going to the Detroit Red Wings versus Vegas Golden Knights hockey game. Uh, and the, so I'm really stoked. The big game. Yeah, I'm. All, I'm just. I'm pissed off because I didn't end up purchasing the hat I was going to purchase. And then I was like, shit, we actually got the tickets. Yeah. And now if I want it here in time, I'm going to have to pay like tw- like tw- twice the price of the hat to yeah. get the fucking thing here. So I was like, forget it. Oh. Forget it. So you're I'll wearing just... red and white colors then? Yeah, I'll, I'll take Mark's advice and just wear my, well, my Red Wing stuff. I would say any other game, you'd wear your Vegas stuff. But since it's your number one team, you wear your number one colors. But again, hey, yeah. you know, to each their own. I'm not going to. Right. Yeah. Know, like uh, I know. I'm excited. I'm just excited to see Tatar back in Detroit. So that'll be fun. Yeah. Now he got traded. Yeah, he got traded. But like, was he a big deal in Detroit this year? Because I know he's a good player. But like, did you guys care about him? Or is it, is it going to be a big so, like welcome back when he comes back? It seems. You know, I'm I'm ho- I'm hoping there will be like a welcome back. It's not going to be a big thing, but yeah. probably like a, an applause. You know, like they'll yeah. probably make mention of it and he'll get a round of applause. But. Um, yeah, I mean, he was, I don't, I'm so, I'm so disconnected from like the average fan, I guess. Like my sister and I, like we just, if they play for the Red Wings, we love them. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? And so like, I, 
I, like I, I feel like I, I'm tied to everyone. Like I don't want anybody to go, but I know that a lot of these t- people need to go for the betterment of the organization. But like, oh, so sure. I don't want them to. Yeah. And and Tatar, I mean, he's young. He's good. Like he, we definitely. I didn't want to see him leave, but mm-hmm. it's it's uh, you know we're finally have embraced this rebuild a little bit, and so it's just a matter of you know trying to get more youth and and draft picks, which is what we got for him. So yeah. it could be good. We got rid of Mrazic also, like another one. I, well, frankly. I say I loved everyone, but Mrazic, I when I found out kind of like the behind the scenes shit with him, I don't like him because he was apparently just kind of a dick to work with and oh. didn't really want to be here. So was he the Evander Kane of the Detroit Red Wings? Yeah, I, I, that's a that's about as uh, extreme an example. I don't think he was nearly that bad, but well, he, he was. Uh, he didn't want to be in the locker room, so I'm, gotcha. I'm, I'm glad to see him go. He's. I'm sure he's a fine person, but he had difficulties with the rest of the team, I guess, and coaches or something. So whatever. Maybe it's a language barrier. Who knows? <laughs> who the, who the, <laughs> I feel like every. I feel like there's probably more people that speak um, a, a different, uh, another other language than English. Is he Czech? You know, Morazic. That sounds checklist. Uh, is he Czech? Ah, man, I don't even know offhand. I guess. Well, let's pretend he, he's. Yeah, yeah, we'll say he's Czech, and so yeah, I don't know who else is Czech in there. I'm, I'm I, on the wings, I guess. I'm so horrible with like hometowns and shit. But. Yeah, that's all good. I'm just excited. In less yeah. than a month, the Jets are coming to my neck of the woods. So oh, I'm nice. seeing the Jets in Ottawa on my birthday, and then the following night they're in Montreal. So I got tickets for both games. So I am hella excited for that. Hell yeah, that's oh, awesome. And yeah. he is Czechoslovakian, so good for you, sir. Ah, it's, it's the Nailed K at the it. end. Yeah, it's the K at the end. Exactly. Yeah. All right. So with that hockey talk out of the way, (laughs) tonight we are going to wrap up our Scandinavian horror arc with our review of our listener's choice winner, Let the Right One In from 2008. Plus, we're going to move on to the 52nd and possibly final round Mm -hmm. of the Besting the Backlog Challenge, where we are going to discuss 47 Meters Down and Crimson Peak. Before we do all that, though, let's talk about social media and how you can find us outside of just listening to the podcast. You can find us at Cinefessions on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. And you can email... <laughs> I was just thinking about, like, you clicking over to GarageBand and being like, oh, my God, it's not recording again. And I just it just made me laugh. I apologize. Uh, uh, although I got both anyway. things on the screen. I can see both <laughs> counters right now. I'm safe. <laughs> Good, good. I thought anyway. maybe you got access to my camera and saw that it wasn't uh, <laughs> wearing clothes. <laughs> oh, man. You can email us at contact at cinefessions.com and you can leave us a voicemail if you want to be part of the show at 1-302-448-TALK. That's 1-302-448-8255. And you can check out our long list of past reviews and all previous 121 podcast episodes right over at cinefessions.com. And also, if you're a fan of the show, please do us a huge favor. Leave us a review on iTunes. Those iTunes reviews are essential to helping us grow. So we thank you guys for taking the time out of your day to leave us a review there. And as we have been saying, please just tell your friends about us. If you like what we do here at the Cinefessions Podcast, let somebody else know about it so that maybe they'll like what we do also. And we can grow our listener base, which is always the goal. Uh, so thank you guys so much for your support, whether it's by leaving a review, telling a friend, or best yet, by doing both. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's jump into Wikimedia. Last week, you and I spoke for nearly an hour yeah. on the week, our weeks in media, and I don't even know why, because it was still just a regular week, so I don't know why it was so big. But this week, on the other hand, <laughs> I have 
so little to talk about. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll jump in here first. Sure. Uh, the, the one, the one movie I watched that was not for the podcast was a documentary actually that's on Netflix right now, at least Netflix US, called The Resurrection of Jake the Snake. Ah, yes. And this is from 2015, and it is a documentary of uh, exactly what it says. Basically, the resurrection of Jake Roberts, who is a professional wrestler, uh, was you know super popular in the 80s and um, early 90s, I'd say, and then. Uh, like what happens with a lot of pro wrestlers, uh, drugs and alcohol took over and, you know, ruined his life. And this is his redemption story. Um, Diamond Dallas Page, I actually had the opportunity to meet Diamond Dallas Page at a horror convention because he has done a few horror movies. Mm -hmm. And he was at a horror convention. It was actually the first or second one I went to. It was in Gettysburg. It was a, it's a convention that they don't do anymore. It's not horror hound, but it was horror something else like that um and he was super nice then and he was like uh, uh um marketing his ddp yoga and i'd never heard of it at that point because this was man this was back in probably 2010 ish 2010 2011 and so i'd never heard of it and so i remember i made a blog post actually on uh what is now cinefessions talking about my trip there and i made mention in the comments that ddp was pimping out his product and I remember I actually got a comment on on the post from Diamond Dallas Page saying, hey, you know, it's not pimping it out like it's a good thing, blah, 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 all this stuff. And so I thought that was that was fascinating. But basically, he like essentially turned Jake the Snake's life around. Um, Jake Roberts, you know, he there was that video that was out a few years ago when he was like belligerent at a wrestling event. And that was, you know. Uh, that went viral. And so that's basically what everyone knew of him at that point. Um, and that's when, you know, a couple of years later, he decided, you know, or I forget it, months later, years later, I don't know what it was, but he decided enough was enough. And so uh, DDP reached out and offered him a helping hand. And he, uh, you know, took advantage of that. And um, the the whole film is just basically the first time DDP and him are meeting uh, after this long hiatus. And he's just this incredibly overweight man who is you know did drugs like the day before drinks you know vodka every single day like he's just a drug addict a, he's an addict through and through and he's so, so out of shape you know he can't he can barely move um because his his legs are so uh, just fucked up from years of abuse and everything and he takes him to his home in wherever i think somewhere in connecticut and um they go through this DDP yoga program and it's the whole movie is him, you know, coming from that to eventually the hall of fame, uh, when WWE inducts him into the hall of fame and he shows up on raw, um, a few months prior to that. And I, I watched that episode of raw when it was live and I remember just going crazy. I was so excited to see him. Um, and watching this movie, it was so sad and so just fascinating because, he has so many setbacks along the way and DDP just keeps saying, you know, it's not about being perfect. You know, it's not about um, uh, not messing up, but it's about, you know, basically getting back on the horse and, and doing it again. And uh, so much of it is just so frustrating because it's like, man, he's doing so well. He's finally connecting with the kids and then boom, something happens where he has a drink and just shit goes, you know, shit hits the fan. It's like, what the fuck is going on? It's so frustrating. I can't imagine what, you know, Dallas Page had to go through when he was doing it, but what I learned from this is just how incredible of a man uh, Diamond Dallas Page is 
because he did that. He doesn't do this just for wrestling. He does this for, you know, anyone who wants to join his program or whatever. And he actually um, pulled in Scott Hall and, and he literally saved Jake the Snake Roberts and Scott Hall's life. Like he's he's incredible. It was such an inspiration to watch. Um, I, like I, I said on Twitter, I was in tears for like basically the entirety of the film. It was it was very moving uh, and very inspirational and just very powerful to watch because these these people had such an impact on my life just watching them on my TV screen as as dedicated as I was and as religiously as I watched them in you know in my formidable years you know even even through now so it was awesome if you if you are have any interest in wrestling which i'm sure most of our listeners don't but if you do this is is a highly recommended documentary and they're actually the the filmmaker who did this one his name's like justin ho or justin yo uh something along those lines he is actually doing the uh, a documentary now on called credible which is on Justin Incredible. Incredible, yeah, yeah, and I'm really excited to see that one um, because actually, and it's funny because you and I were talking last week about how Justin Incredible was at a house show and drunk, mm-hmm. and that was actually back in December when that happened. I didn't realize it was that long ago, but it's just another one of his setbacks. But he's doing DDP yoga, and DDP's helping him, you know, kind of transform his life into uh, something that he wants it to be, as opposed to just being an uh, uh, an addict. So. Yeah, I've been debating about getting DDP yoga. I just mm-hmm. don't know if I have the room in the house to actually do DDP yeah. yoga, you know, like right. physically like just enough room to, to do the, the moves, you know. But it's something I've, yeah. I've I've toyed with since I saw the documentary a few, maybe a few years ago. I was still in my old condo, so yeah. You saw Resurrection of Jake the Snake? I did on Netflix. Okay, yeah. Did you did you like it? Oh, I loved it. Yeah. Oh, I, I, yeah I, I loved it because like I was a big fan of Jake the Snake back in the day. Oh, absolutely. And I still am. And mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of uh, of Scott Hall as well. So, yeah, exactly. you know, he's helping, you know, my childhood heroes. Well, I, I wouldn't say Scott Hall is like a childhood hero, but mm-hmm. cool heel, you know. But guys, I enjoyed yeah. watching, you know, years ago. So if he can right. make a difference, good for him. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, it's just it's so moving to see. Like, I love the moment when they find out that he's going into the Hall of Fame. That was that that moment was just incredible. And then just DDP like breaks down because he's, you know, put so much into helping, yeah. helping Jake get better. And it's just, it finally pays off. And so it's, it's, it's awesome. But like, it's made so evident is being an addict. The re- the road to recovery, recovery is literally an every day and every hour and every minute battle. Mm-hmm. And so it's, you're never in the, you know, out of the woods. It's always there. It's always something you have to deal with. And so that's just something he'll do with the rest of his life. And, it's just, it was very informative and, and awesome, just awe-inspiring to see what was going on there. So I, I definitely give that one four stars. Absolutely loved that one. Um, so glad I I finally watched it. Which I frankly, I didn't even know it was on Netflix until, um, do you remember, it was years ago, it was like this this guy, they're in a gym and they, this video went viral. He's like talking to this group of wrestlers. He's like, it's still real to me, damn it. And he's like crying. Yeah, Do you remember yeah. that? That was yeah. at, a, at a, an NWA convention. Yes. Yeah. And like, it was like the funks and, and some other people, but yeah. Yeah. Um, that guy, I saw, so I ran across his video on YouTube or something. And then I saw, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Jim Cornette was like talking about, him. I mean, actually the guy's like a really, really nice guy. Um, and he's just a big fan and it was just, you know, he was moved at that point cause he was with his heroes. And so it was interesting to see kind of the other side of that video, mm-hmm. but they actually had another video of him watching the resurrection of Jake the snake. And so that's when I was like, Oh, I have to watch this. And that's when I found out it was on Netflix. So yeah, yeah I'm so it, glad that I happened to stumble across it. Yeah. It's been on for a while. And, uh, yeah. 
I've only watched it one time because I don't think mm-hmm. I have seen it multiple times, but it's really no, good. No. If you're a wrestling fan, it's a must watch. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and then speaking, continuing with wrestling, I did watch some like random. So the WWE Network has collections on there. Mm-hmm. And one of the collections was um, ECW's Barely Legal, their first ever pay-per-view. Yeah. And so basically what it was is kind of following the, the parts I've watched so far was following um, Taz and Sabu. Okay. It's basically their buildup for like the year long buildup that they had leading to their fight at um, uh, barely, the barely legal pay per view. Yeah. So I watched that, um, and it was interesting, but the final match wasn't nearly as as good as I hoped it would be. Like it wasn't bad by any stretch, but I mean it's Sabu and Taz, and they built this up for like a year. Like I just expected more, and I think the aftermath of it was so like just shoddily done that I think it kind of like spoiled what came before it okay because there's like this this heel or like i guess it's kind of a heel turn and fucking what's his name bill alfonso with his whistle it's just so annoying Mm -hmm. and like so it was just kind of weird afterwards but whatever watch that and then i have this stupid idea like to watch and review the entirety of ecw on tnn so I talked last week how I was like, I'd love to watch like the WWE ECW that was on sci-fi, but that's like 200 episodes. ECW on TNN only lasted for from like 99 to like 2000, the end of 2000. And so it's only like 59 episodes. And so I'm thinking I want to go through that. And so I started watching that and it felt like a good place to jump into ECW, even though it's on like basically the end of ECW, but it felt like a good place to jump in because they're literally introducing their product to a whole new set of people. Yeah. Um. And TNN like royally screwed them when they're with their contract and everything. And like they never advertised for them. But yet still ECW was like the highest grossing, uh, the highest rated show on TNN, which is why they then brought in WWE and and screwed ECW. But anyway, so yeah. And so I watched the first one and uh, I don't know if I'll actually do that, if I'll commit to that idea, but it's not a ton of episodes. They're only like 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... I don't know. That's something I'm toying with um, and uh, would like to do. So I don't know if I'll actually ever do it, but I did write a, you know, watch the first one and kind of reviewed it and whatever. So we'll see what what happens for it with that. But who knows? Um, And then on the video game side, I I finally got my racing wheel. Yes. So quick, I'll, I'll try to keep it quick, but my racing wheel story. So it was supposed to arrive at my house on Thursday. Um, Well, Thursday we had like basically rain all morning and then turning to snow in the afternoon. And a couple years ago, I ordered TVs. I'm, I know I told this story on the podcast. And UPS delivered these two televisions outside my house in the pouring rain. And they got soaked and everything. And so I didn't want, because I knew they would just drop this wheel off and I didn't want to get soaked and get ruined. So I yeah. said, you know, let's see if I can have it delivered somewhere else. So you go on to UPS Put in the tracking number, you can change where you have it delivered. So like, okay, I'll have it delivered to the UPS store that's you know relatively near my house. I can pick it up on the way home from work. Um, well, they don't tell you, but obviously that won't happen that day. So it happens the next day. So it's okay, that's fine. I'll just pick it up Friday after work. Well, I uh, f- finally on Friday I get it. I I'm looking. I'm like, man, I don't have an email. Like, what's going on? Like, nothing's happening. Um, and so I um call UPS. And like, what's going on? And they said that my package was basically undeliverable. So I'm like, what? Like, that doesn't make any sense. And so like, I call the UPS store and they're closed. I'm like, what? Why in the fuck are they closed? Like, 
Anyway, long story short, I talk with UPS for um, like probably 70 minutes in total that day. Okay. Um, I talked to GameStop for like a half an hour almost. And I wanted them to just, I said, okay, that's fine. I'll just pick up my package at the warehouse. And they said, well, you can't do that because GameStop has like this block on it from pickups. I'm like, that's stupid. Like, that's ridiculous. So I called GameStop, got that removed. Then I'm on the phone with uh, UPS again for 40 minutes on my way home. And they're like, oh, the best thing we can offer you is Monday. You can pick it up from the warehouse on Monday. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, what happened to like Saturday? Like, that's ridiculous. Like, just deliver to my house on Saturday then. Like, forget this. And they're like, oh, we can't reroute it. I'm like, what are you talking? Like, you're UPS. Why can't you tell them where to put this package? Like, this doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. And so it was just so frustrating. And finally, I like I had to ask to speak to a supervisor, which I hate doing because that's what my job is now on phone lines. I'm the supervisor. So like, I don't want to talk to people. Like, I don't want to have to ask for a supervisor, you know? Mm-hmm. And so like, but magically, all of a sudden, talk with the supervisor and they were going to have my packages for pickup that night. So whatever, long story short, even though I said that three times now, I was able to pick up my packages from the UPS warehouse on like nine o'clock on, or whatever it was, like between eight and nine on Friday night. So it was late. But I told Bridget, I was like, man, all the shit I went through today, like I feel obliged to set this thing up and play it today. So fortunately at my lunch, I went out and bought this workbench, which I may have been talking about last week. Mm-hmm. And it was like a $30 workbench from Home Depot that I used to like j- basically jerry-rig a... <laughs> for a a stand to use my wheel with. And so I was able to get that going and um, I, it's getting real late, but I'm like, I have to use this thing. So I put on NASCAR heat too, which is what I've been loving lately Uh and it won't work. I'm like, wait, wait, what, what's happening here? Like, this is, this is obnoxious. What the fuck's going on? Like the wheel, like I know the wheel is functioning because I can hit the arrow buttons and I'm using that as the controller. I hit a to select different things and yada, yada. I go to do the race and the fucking car won't move. I'm like, oh, like what's happening? Like this is ridiculous. I unplug everything. Yeah. Unplug my console, everything. Plug it back in. Same thing. Okay. I do this all three times. And it takes forever for the Xbox One to load up after it after you do like a full shutdown. Not forever, but it just feels like a long time. Just because being it's impatient. A, and it's an inferior machine, but continue. And <laughs> and so um I'm like, well, what? Maybe it's just the game. So I'm like, let me let me try something else. So I put on Forza Motorsport Six. Yeah, it works perfectly. I'm like, okay, thank God. Like, it's not the wheel. Something's fucked up with the game. So I'm like, you know what? Like, Forza's cool, but this isn't really what I want to do right now. So I'm gonna try NASCAR Heat Two again and see what happens. Maybe, maybe it was the because I I purchased like the DLC to have the 2018 cars and everything. Okay. And so I'm like, maybe it's maybe I have to use the 2017. Maybe the 2018s, like, even though it should just be, you know basically uh like paint jobs but yeah. maybe it's fucked up and so i put it on and it starts work and and uh, i put on the 2017 and it works i'm like oh okay cool but i'm like but i really want to do the 2018 so i go to the 2018 and it works so i don't know what it was but like it just needed to like register with forza sure. then i was able to go back to nascar 2 and it works so everything's working good now um and i got it going and i gotta tell you it is a it is a ton of fun like i i really enjoy it um i need so much more practice though uh because it's it's a di- whole different beast like it's not it's it's similar to driving a real car but obviously yeah. it's not you know it's a video game still sure um and it's so different from a controller though and so it's just it's just a matter of getting hours behind the wheel yeah um, but i did i did um start my career mode 
And so like, obviously you start off low and your, your goals are real low. Like my goals were just finishing the top 25 just for the two races I was in. Mm-hmm. And I finished like 18th. So I was happy with that. And then I finished like 26th. And so I wasn't happy with that, but that was just because of a bad, bad, uh, pit uh, decision <laughs> on my part. But okay. either way, it, it was, it was a lot of fun. So right now I'm using it upstairs, but Bridget, when I got down, uh, Bridget was like, oh my God, that was so fucking loud. And I'm like, oh really? Cause I'm like stomping on the pedals and whatnot. Oh, gotcha. And so I'm going to have to move it downstairs, especially with like, you know, what's, what's coming our way. So I'm going to move it downstairs. So hopefully it, it, it is loud. So, so question, does it come with like a gear shift as well? Or is it all automatic cars? Like, no. Are- so it, it doesn't have like a physical gear, uh, gear shift like you would see in a car, but it does have paddle shifters. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So you can use those. Now, basically at this point, I'm just trying to get like the driving and so I'm, I'm using automatic still, but eventually I'm going to switch, but I'm just trying to get like used to, the feel you know, of it. exactly. And, yeah. the, and the force feedback is accurate and whatnot. Yeah, it's really good. Oh, I really like cool. the force feedback. Like, I don't know what like a $500 wheel would feel like versus this $250 one, yeah. but um, yeah, it, it, it's really cool. It's really good. And like, there's a ton of force. But like, I just, and like, it's, I don't know. I love it so much because like, I'm like tense like i'm grabbing the wheel i'm like oh i'm like so tense because like i want it to like i want to be good you know and yeah. so I, it's just it's just fun and i really like okay. that so question is the yeah. f- can you use the wheel with the new burnout paradise remaster coming out next week i doubt it because like those arcade like so like need for speed doesn't work with the wheel oh, okay. and uh so i i'm guessing burnout won't either but um like gravel that just came out oh, uh, I, I think I it's what's... download only that one just came out last week. That one is is compatible with the wheel. Okay. Uh, so they might add it. Honestly, I don't know. Uh, when I looked at the list before, obviously Gravel wasn't on the list because it wasn't released. But then I just pulled it back up the other like two or three days ago and it was on there. So uh, it might be something that they have. But I I just I doubt it because it's not it's Got not really that type of thing, you know. So, okay. Cool. Yeah. We'll see. But yeah, so I'm I'm having a lot of fun with that, and uh, I'm sure I'll, I'll have more to say about it next week, but. I'm excited to try dive into it again tomorrow night. So, well, good. Yeah. I'm I'm very excited for you. That's something I've always wanted. So, yeah, it's cool. It's definitely yeah. cool. All right. So that is my week. So what about you? Okay, my week in media. Um, I haven't done much TV wise. Uh, me and Melissa, we are watching season eight of Supernatural. Um, okay. I'm kind of hate watching it. Uh, not that I. I <laughs> So not that I hate it so much, just that I'm just so uninterested that there are better things out there to watch right now. And these two brothers, you know, it's been eight seasons. I've got the yeah. first 12 on Blu-ray and um, all they do is bicker and fight. And it's like, <laughs> why can't they ever get along? I'm sure if I had a brother, I'd get along more than they would. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, so I'm very, I just really don't care. I'm watching because I'm, I own them and I feel I have to. So, but as soon as we finish uh, season eight of Supernatural, uh, Jessica Jones season two starts on the 8th of March, which uh, it'll be last Friday for those listening on Monday. And uh, I'm also excited because Netflix uh, advised us via Twitter that Luke Cage season two comes out June 22nd. So I am pumped for that. So I'm assuming after Luke Cage, we'll probably get season three of Daredevil. Um, oh, right. And then hopefully season two of Punisher. Um, because we don't really care about, uh, Iron Fist, do we? <laughs> I don't, I don't think so. I know I don't. Um, <laughs> but apart from that, um, I watched all of season four of Black Mirror. 
Oh, that's right. Yeah. 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 So uh, that was kind of hit and miss with me. I thought the first and last episodes were by far the best. Um, but I did enjoy So there's six episodes. Um, the ones that are not the, the bookends, um, there's an episode called Crocodile that I liked a lot. And an episode called Metalhead that a lot of people were panning. And I thought it was interesting. Um, by not the greatest, but it wasn't bad. Uh, the two episodes that I really kind of panned on were more emotional. One was called Archangel, and it's about a mom who puts a chip in her baby or in her small toddler when she's young uh, to track her because it gets, she gets abducted, but then mm. can like see what she sees through her eyes. And as the girl gets older, she still does it because she's kind of addicted to it. Okay. Um, yeah, it was it was actually directed by Jody Foster, which I found out after the fact. Um doesn't oh, change really? my yeah, doesn't change my uh like or dislike of the episode because I like Jody Foster, but I thought for Black Mirror that was kind of ho hum because it wasn't dark enough for me because mm. I'm depraved. Um, <laughs> and then there's one called Hang the DJ, which is uh I don't want to ruin it, but it's 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 a dating episode about the the dark side of dating in this futuristic world where you're kind of force paired with someone. And I don't know. I just, it wasn't for me. It was like one pretty much is like black mirror Tinder in a way, you know? Um, Mm. But uh, I think I liked season three better than season four, but season four does have some bright stars, but it's not as strong. And maybe it's because it's six episodes. If they maybe paired it down to four episodes, like the first, well, I think the first two seasons were three episodes. Yeah. We're used to three episodes. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe less is more. Um, but that first episode, USS McAllister was fucking dark and I loved it. Uh, hmm. so it's worth checking out, you know, um, to each their own, your miles may vary, but, uh, on the long, I, I liked it, but it wasn't the strongest in my, uh, opinion. And they just announced season five with no, uh, air date. So I'm guessing probably early next year, late this year, but we'll see. Um, so Very TV good. wise, that's about it. Um, I did start playing Alien Isolation on uh, my PS4. That's right. I forgot yeah. about that. Yeah, we had a brief, a brief uh, the Twitter thing about that. Quickly. Yeah, uh, I've only played it the one time. I just haven't had the chance to play it since. Um, but it seems kind of cool uh, so far. It's I'm still pretty basic into the story. Um, okay. I haven't met the alien yet, so. Yeah, I, I, I've just skimmed the surface of the game. We'll see if it I gets hear, any good or not. Yeah, I hear it's an incredibly difficult difficult game, even on the easier settings. So I'm interested interested to see how you're gonna what you're gonna think of it. Ah, well, you know what? If I ever rage quit, I will. You'll be the first to know. Oh, I can't wait. You'll be the first to <laughs> fucking know. Um, so yeah, so I'm still playing that. So I'm playing that. I'm also still playing Darkest Dungeon. Um, I've actually restarted the game because now knowing a bit more of the mechanics, I'm trying to make better decisions. Uh, oh okay i've already got two guys dead i think i'm in week seven so yeah i'll be playing with that for a long time um but the new uh, kirby game comes out uh on the sixth is next week i guess i pre-ordered it then i canceled my pre-order because i'm like i still haven't played mario odyssey and mario oh. versus rabbits so yeah you, need you know to play both of those i gotta play those games by the time i, f- I finish those games maybe kirby will be on sale because i see now right. rabbits at bestbuy.ca, you can get it for 29 Canadian. I'm like, motherfucker. Yeah. I pre-ordered yeah. it and bought it early because of the Amazon Prime discount. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm not playing these games fast enough for me to actually, you know, uh, keep up with the release schedule. Right. So 
I think if I hold off on buying it now, it'll probably be cheaper like later on this year. So we'll see. Um, Did but you I, download the demo? I, I did. I haven't touched it yet, though. I haven't had a okay. chance to. Um, yeah, I forgot about it. Heard good things about it, but uh, no, I have not played it yet. Um, but I am going to buy that Burnout um, Paradise Remastered next week. Oh, you are? Okay. Yeah, well, my buddy Paul bought it, and I wasn't going to because I'm like, I've got the PS3 version, mm-hmm. and it's collecting dust. Why would I pay $52 Canadian for a game that's 10 years old that I already own? Because Paul did it. That's why. Exactly. And it's remastered yeah. and all the DLCs. And I'm like, I bought <laughs> most of the DLC already. I've actually platinumed the game. So can I mm. re-platinum the game if I have remastered? I'm assuming I could. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm sure. Yeah. So I, it's 52 bucks on a game I already have. But, you know, that was the first game I bought for my PS3 when I bought my mm-hmm. first big screen. So And I played the shit out of that game. But I don't have the same amount of time to play games anymore. So, mm-hmm. you know... Am I just buying it to say I own it? I don't know. So we'll see. See, this is this is my, see this is my addiction. I buy <laughs> I buy shit and I don't use it because I buy more shit after. You know. Yeah. Speaking of, uh, uh, Shout Factory has a sale happening right now, which will be over by the time the the podcast comes out. But yeah, I spent a hundred bucks. Anyways, um, four movies I've uh, I've watched. What um, sale do they have going? Uh, Shout Select, they have a bunch of uh, oh. flicks up to 57% off. Okay. And uh, I'll tell you what I bought. Um, I bought the uh, Bill and Ted's Most Excellent Collection. for. Okay. It's on for $28.99. I picked up uh, Car Wash, Into the Night, Matinee, Mr. Mom, and Shakedown. Okay, so, uh, very good. Yeah, so it just came to 110 bucks. So, U.S., yeah, uh, so I really want to get Bill and Ted and uh, Matinee. Those are two yeah. I want to get, but I just I don't want to spend the money on shit right now. Like I Thor just came out, and I really want to own that, but I'm just not spending the money on it right now. Well, I bought it off Amazon.uk because it's got 3D, so uh, oh. th- that's that got shipped. I should be getting it shortly. It might be in the mail tonight. I haven't gone to the mail yet today, uh, but uh, yeah, I got to. You know what? I think I'm going to stop buying 3D and start buying 4K. Just because that's yeah, that's what I did. And like Melissa doesn't like 3D. Um, mm-hmm. It's just with you know, it just gives her headaches. So I'm like, well, mm-hmm. it might just buying this for myself. Well, I used to buy it just for myself, but you know, I'm getting a 4K TV eventually someday. Right. And with my with my uh, my fr- uh, Russian friend, I'm getting them heavily discounted and no tax. So mm-hmm. instead of buying 3D, maybe I'll just keep buying 4K instead. You know, because it comes in Blu-ray, so I can use it right away. Yeah. We'll see. Uh, but as for movies I've watched since our last recording, not the that burbs much. The is another one I need. Sorry. Yeah, I, I've got the burbs already on 3D or on, uh, okay. on Blu-ray. Oh, Good. and that's another thing. Fucking um, Scream Factory. Oh, yeah. Ninja yeah. 3. Ninja 3. I love Ninja 3. And it's got mm-hmm. a shit ton of special features. But they've released a film. And now they're releasing the film again as a collector's edition. Fuck yeah, so you. Weird. Fuck I've you. I've never seen him do that. I don't know what, what the deal is with that. I I'm didn't a, look at the special features. Was there a bunch more on the collectors than there was on the original? Oh, yeah. The original had had practically nothing, if I remember correctly. Yeah. I think it was pretty bare bones. So it's got commentary tracks. It's got interviews with the stars. It's got a 4K restoration. So uh, I, I mean, like, I don't want to double To be dip. fair, yeah. I probably paid like 10 bucks for the first one. So I mm-hmm. mean, like, I, I'll consider it, but I won't be getting it anytime soon just because I've kind of stopped doing a lot of purchasing of movies. But yeah. 
Yeah, I wouldn't mind having it because, like, you introduced me to it here on the podcast, which you sure can listen did. to that episode. But you uh, know during what? our from our Scream Factory arc, but but like most Scream Factory uh, collectors editions, the cover art is horrendous. Oh, it's so fucking ugly. I'm I'm so I'm bummed. I'm really bummed because if yeah, I would have known, it's not good. No, if I would have known there was a collector's edition coming, mm-hmm. I I probably would have waited. Even if it's only twelve dollars for this like bare bones release. I probably yeah. would have waited, even though I'm not a big collection, like special features guy. Mm-hmm. I kind of, like, on movies like that, I want to dive deeper into it just because it's such an oddity, you know? Right. So I'm torn. There's, we'll see. And there's actually, speaking of not spending on movies, there's actually two I do need to get, and that's the Strangers Collector's Edition from Scream and uh, uh, the Rise of Leslie Vernon or whatever, Behind uh, the Mask. Behind the Mask, yeah. I've yeah. got the original Anchor Bay DVD of it, and you know what? I've only watched that film once. Yeah, and, me too. And I don't remember liking it that much. Like, I thought it was just oh, really? okay. Yeah. I loved it. But this is like, you know, like what, 2006 when it came out? 2007? So yeah, somewhere I, around there. You know, this is in the dawn of rumor message boards and my education mm-hmm. in horror. So maybe I should watch it again. Um, but uh, yeah, I thought it was just okay. A lot of people love it. Maybe I just have to give it another watch with some older eyes. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So movies I've seen uh, since our last recording, um, not that many. Um, so I posted today uh, a very lengthy review. I realized it was three Instagram posts. I got to maybe <laughs> trim that down a bit, but I watched the Manhattan Project. Make a, make a great uh, blog post. Review. You know what? I, I can send you this stuff and you can just slap it on the website. Um, mm-hmm. The Manhattan Project uh, from 1986 with uh, John Lithgow. Man, you know, I've always heard about the film. I had never seen it before. I watch it and I was hating it. So, Oh, a, okay. Yeah, so a kid... Um, lives nearby a new uh, nuclear testing plant, or they're making mm-hmm. like this hydro plutonium. So the lead um, a scientist has the lovey dovey eyes for his mom because she's recently divorced, mm-hmm. and he's like, uh, "You're not my dad." So he gets an invite to the facility, maps it out, and then decides to steal plutonium to make his own nuclear bomb mm-hmm. to show the okay. world, "Hey, this is happening in my backyard." What the fuck? He actually, like, I had a discussion with my buddy Tony briefly on uh, our Cinefessions uh, page on Facebook today, where I guess in the 80s was a lot of, like, kids versus government movies, like, Daryl War Games. But, like, War Games and My Science Project, these guys, like, these kids didn't know what they were doing. You know, like, Mm -hmm. Matthew Broderick just hacks a computer and plays tic-tac-toe or something, right? Um, Right. He wasn't, like, he wasn't creating nuclear war. This kid in this movie does create a nuclear bomb and he knows it because he actually like he read up on it to create a nuclear bomb for a science fair. So um, yeah, he's a terrorist in today's time, you know, he'd get shot on site, but you know, it's anyways, read, read the blog article, I guess. Um, I did not like it at all. Uh, Maybe it's because I'm 38 turning 39 in today's Mm -hmm. society, but even like, me back then, I don't think I would enjoy this film. It just wasn't great. So that was disappointing. Uh, so I'd give that maybe about one and a half stars out of four. Okay. Um, okay. So I watched our backlog challenge. Um, I rewatched Get Out the day after the Oscars. Oh, okay. Um, because uh, I, I only saw Get Out once since – well, I only saw it in the theaters. So I mm-hmm. bought the Blu-ray, never watched it. So I popped it in. Fantastic. 
Um, so that gets three to four stars for me. Don't think I have to really go deep into Get Out because it's been talked ad nauseum. Right. Um, Did I, that win any Oscars, by the way? Yeah, it won Best uh, Original Script. So oh, okay. Jordan Peele actually got an Oscar for the uh, script. Very good. So I was very happy for him because it was well-deserved. Um, so I am very happy to have been uh, asked to go to a private screening of uh, The Strangers, Pray at Night. Yeah, I'm so jealous. Yes, I saw this on Monday. It gets released uh, this Friday, which would be the 8th. Um, and you know my feelings on The First Strangers. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's and been, you love Liv Tyler. I fucking hate Liv Tyler. So <laughs> I'm glad it's not a direct sequel. Uh, so in in this one, so it's so in this one, this family is driving uh, to drop the daughter off to reform school, and they stay at uh, an uncle's. I guess he he runs like a summer uh, campsite full of cabins, like trailers, and like it's like a trailer park, I guess. Um, okay. So this is off season, so they grab a trailer, and of course the girl knocks on the door. You know, is Tamara home? And that starts your night. So they're just mm. wrong place, wrong time. They're not being targeted. Like the first strangers, mm-hmm. these uh, three people are tormenting people for the fun of it. <laughs> and man, did I love this movie. Oh, so for some reason, uh, the uh, I guess the guy, the baghead guy, who reminds me a bit of uh, of Jason in uh, Friday 2, mm-hmm. um, he is really digging on 80s new wave pop. So okay. this soundtrack is filled with 80s pop music. But like hmm. some some deep cuts, some well-known songs. Um it's it's fucking awesome. Like I am getting goosebumps right now thinking about it because it was so <laughs> well done. Um so the music's awesome. Um the soundtrack. Okay, so the film does, I believe, indirectly, directly. Ha, uh, homages a lot of horror films. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a scene that, you know, will make you think of Christine. Um, the ending will make you think of Texas Chainsaw. Um, there's a piano score. Reminds me a lot of the score in The Fog. Okay. Um, so there's nods and winks to uh, a lot of different uh, horror genres. But I find Carpenter heavily influenced this uh, this film uh, by the music and by um, just some iconic movie sequences he filmed himself back in the day. Um, yeah, I, again, yeah, I just, I love this movie. Uh, I thought it was fantastic. Um, watching it with a full crowd who was into the film, like mm-hmm. when, when there were jump scares, people jumped. I admittedly jumped twice, but it's a jump scare. You're not expecting it, right? Right. Exactly. Uh, but I thought like there's a scene uh, by that's poolside and like some neon uh, palm trees light up, and then there's this '80s theme song, and there's shenanigans. It was really well made. I dug it. I really dug it a lot. So uh, I on Letterbox, I give it a full five out of five stars. Which awesome. Uh, I think as of the recording, I'm the only one who gave it five out of five on Letterbox. <laughs> there were a lot That's of ones fine. and twos, but you know what? I people enjo- are idiots. So well, yeah, but I just enjoyed it. Like I was in a yeah. mood for it. And uh, I had a smile the whole time. Like, I loved it. So, I want to thank uh, Taro PR and Elevation Films for for, uh, letting me uh, sit in uh, for free to watch the film. I would be paying for this. 
if I didn't get it in for free. Like I would have gone to see it anyways. Um, yeah. So yeah. So thank you Elevation and thank you Terror PR. It was awesome. Like it's the first like screening where it was actually really in our wheelhouse. And mm-hmm. uh, man, I was pumped. I was yeah, pumped. Awesome. The crowd was pumped. Yeah. So I left a happy camper. Good. So, yeah, I'm yeah. excited. I'm hopefully going to see it probably maybe sometime next week. We'll see. I'm hoping, hoping soon. And we can discuss it further at that point. I just don't want to throw any spoilers because one, the film is yeah. out yet. And exactly. two, uh, it's a film I'm sure you want to see. Yep. Um, so quickly, uh, two more films uh, I saw on Shudder. I watched Dead Body from 2016. Uh, it's about friends going to a cabin. They play this murder game, but then people start getting murdered in real life. It was really ho-hum. Um, it's indie film. I'm not sure. It, it felt Canadian to me. I'm not sure if it really was or not. Okay. Directed by Bobbin Ramsey. I'm not familiar with him. I believe it's his only film. Um, but I thought it was a big pass. It it just underscored for me. Um, yeah. And last, uh, I, record, I recorded. I watched another film for the uh, Kino Lorber Challenge. Uh, oh, the, yeah. couch, the Couch Trip from 1988 with uh, Dan Aykroyd and Walter Matthau. Hmm. Oh boy, it's not, not going to be a fun review to re- to write tomorrow. It was Uh-oh. not good. So that's Uh-oh. all I'll say about that for now. But okay. it was not good. It just feels Dan Aykroyd has like in the 80s, he's got like one character, you know? Yeah. You know, he does the intellectual race stance or he does like the dry uh, Joe Friday from Dragnet or hmm. the really dry uh, Roman from uh, The Great Outdoors. It's like he does one character, and he does a an alternate version of that character in the couch trip. So I was hugely disappointed. So that kind of huh. sucked. But uh, that's all for me. That's that's uh, that's my week in media. Okay. Well, very good. Excellent. So let's jump over to our review for the day. Talking today, of course, about Let the Right One In from 2008. So as always, there will be spoilers for Let the Right One In. Um so if you've not seen the film, you can actually watch it right now on Hulu. That's how I watched it. Uh, you have to be a Hulu subscriber, but that's how I ended up watching it. And it okay. is subtitled, so it's a good way to watch it. It looked great. Um, so if you've not watched it, go watch it and then come on back and hit play and listen to the rest of this podcast. So Let the Right One In saw an original Swedish film festival release date of January 26, 2008. Not Norwegian, just for you, Mark. Yes, I know. It's, it's so weird. Because <laughs> I felt that I think at this point I could actually understand Norwegian. Right, exactly. I know. Uh, it's directed by by Thomas Elfredson, written by John Avid Lindquist. Uh, that's not how you say it, but that's that's as good as it's going to get. No, um, I he actually, Thank you. He actually wrote the uh, screenplay and the original novel that this is based off of. So uh, good uh, good person to get to do that. It has an IMDb score of 7.9 out of the 186,801 current votes and 82 on Metacritic, a tomato meter of 98% and an audience score on Rotten Tomatoes of 90%, which might be the highest film I've seen that we've talked about on Rotten Tomatoes. But we'll see. Okay. It currently has 4.05 out of five stars on Letterboxd based on 25,980 ratings. It had a $4 million budget and a $7.2 million worldwide gross and clocks in at a whopping 115 minutes. So, Mark, what is your history with Let the Right One In? 
I heard about it again on the message boards. And uh, when I believe Magnet Releasing released it on Blu-ray in North America. So I bought that as soon as it came out. So I've seen it prior to the recording uh, once. Excellent. Yep. And have you seen the remake? Let me in. No, I own it, but I have not watched it yet. I believe I've got a Blockbuster rental copy of that. (laughs) Oh, okay. So yes, I've held on this for a while, but uh, no, I have not yet seen it. Awesome. Yeah. So Let the Right One In for me was kind of, I feel like I I I found out about it around the same time I found out about Session 9. Okay. That's when I really was starting to do like a deeper dive into horror and try to find like, you know, hidden gems, if you will. And this was one that came up in that, in those discussions. And so I watched it and felt like I was like one of the few that knew who, what it was, you know, so I felt so cool. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, so I watched it probably 2010-ish, I would imagine. Um, and, uh, loved it then. And that was the first time. And the only time I've seen it since I've had the Blu-ray in my Amazon wish list forever. And for whatever reason, I've just never purchased it, but, uh, that will be changing, um, eventually. Cause I, I definitely want to have it in my collection, but yeah. I think it's crazy that this film is already 10 years old. Like, oh yeah, exactly. I, to me, I still consider this like a new horror film, but no, <laughs> it's, it's a decade old. I'm just yeah. getting that much older. Right. Ugh. Send and I ha- in the hourglass. Yeah, exactly. And I have seen the remake. Okay. Um, and it's very similar. And that's what I always said about it. But somehow it's just a lesser movie. And I love um, Chloe. Uh, no. what? Oh, my God. The main actress who's in uh, Carrie also. The Carrie remake also. Oh, she's in it? Uh, God, she's in a billion movies. And those are the two that are coming to my head right now. But Chloe hmm. Savini? No, it's not Chloe Savini. It's uh no Chloe Grace Moretz. Moretz, yes. yes. Yep. Okay. Um, yep. So excellent. All right. So right from the get-go here, I thought it was a a very bold and ballsy opening, keeping it almost entirely silent as we go through these opening credits. And you just you just don't usually see that. So it stuck out to me and I like that. Well, I felt it really set the tone of the film because, yeah. you know, this is, you know, uh, winter in Sweden. Mm-hmm. It, it's not isolated, but it feels like it's more of a rural town than a, a buddy metropolis. Right. So I guess with, with the with the silence, it just, you know, you're kind of alone. And actually, it might put you in the perspective of Oscar because he's alone in this movie. You know, he mm-hmm. has no friends. He's bullied. So exactly. I guess in a way, kind of puts you in the same mind frame as our uh, main character here. Yeah. Um, and you say it's not isolated, but it's more rural. But I definitely, even though it is this rural setting, it definitely, there is something, you know, you definitely feel that isolation come through oh, almost oh. entirely. Well, I think it's because, you know, they have a lot of scenes at night outside And what I liked, I don't know about the Hulu, but with the Blu-ray, it felt like I was there and I was getting cold. Yeah. You know, like it just, it's, it's such a, it just seems like all the heat just, it's Mm -hmm. like a vacuum and you're just feeling chill the whole film. Yeah. That's awesome. You know? Um, I love the, um, so, and I noticed it right from the get-go and that's why I wrote it down. I love the shot that the only shot we get of Oscar during this like opening moments with him are through the glass. Like we see his reflection on the glass. It keeps it very jaded. And that is something that repeats itself over and over and over again. There is so much imagery with the glass. Yeah. And that fascinated me. It's funny. My first note uh, for the film is 
Oscar has a great head of hair. <laughs> that's my legit first note. That's, that's I can, true. I can yeah. take a picture of it right now. And yeah. You might not be able to read my writing, but that's my exact first note. <laughs> Oscar has a great oh, head of hair. Astute. That's good. I like that. What are the? What's the very first line in, in the movie? Uh, squeal like a pig. Squeal like a pig. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So it's a sexy movie right off the bat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> such a, just such a fucked up line. And then he just like keeps repeating it. Squeal, squeal like a pig. It's like, oh. And it's, it just, it keeps you a bit off balance to start off because like, what's yeah. the meaning of this? Right. Yeah. You see this kid with, in his underwear with this knife saying squeal like a pig. I mean like, yeah, it puts, it puts an image in your head, right? You, you're, you're judging this character based on your first encounter. It just seems you're, you know, he's a bit off because, and puts, mm-hmm. and, and you're, uh, at least I felt a little unsettled because when you hear scream, scream like a pig, and two, you've got this 12 year old boy in his tidy whiteies. It's like, <laughs> I, I don't want to be watching this in public. <laughs> you know? yeah, or, or in right. private, or in private, but exactly. so it's, it, it puts you at a, a sense of malaise, I guess, right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, this is weird. Yeah. And I mean, in, intentionally so. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so purposeful. I love that. Oh, yeah. Um, And I just, I hate so much. And I wrote, like, God, I fucking loathe the bullies in this. Like, I just yeah. want them to fucking die. Like, I hate those fuckers so and, much. And that's the thing. Like, okay, so is he being bullied because he's poor or because he has no friends? Because he's socially awkward, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, like when he's running around, he's, you know, he's got snot dripping down his nose. He doesn't wipe his nose. <laughs> right. Um, right. He seems to have, you know, rattier clothes. Mm-hmm. So, I, so it's, maybe it's a social class thing, you know, where these boys are pretty well dressed, you know, with their, with their parkas. And he's yep. got this brown, dull, poo colored coat. Yeah. You know, so he's at a disadvantage and we'll find out because his parents are separated. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, so, and one thing that threw me off though is right before that, this cop is in there talking about how they found this murdered body in this house fire, which I thought was just a strange thing to be talking to this group of kids about. Because then yeah. he goes, "Okay, now I'm going to talk to you about drugs." And I was like, oh, "Wait, what? That's a weird transition." But anyway, then he he asks for an answer, like, "Why do you think this happened? Or how do you know that? How do you think we know the body was murdered before it was placed in the fire?" And Oscar gives him the right answer because yeah. there was no smoke in his lungs. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, he acts like, he's like, oh, well, how'd you know that? Books. Oh, what books are these? I'm like, you prick. Like, what the fuck did you ask for? Like, you're an asshole. I just didn't like him instantly. Well, but it was just such a weird thing. It, well, it is weird, but it, it does set, you know, his, his mind frame because he's been bullied exactly. so much that like you'll see a bit later on where he's scrapbooking all these murder stories in the mm-hmm. newspaper. So... And the way that you first see him in his underwear, you know, practicing his lines, and you'll see him right. again later on doing that, you know, in different scenarios. Yeah. He's already at his wits end. He's been bullied so much. Like, he's ready to – He like, I think he's ready to, to – well, I don't want to say school shooter, but, like, he's ready to inflict violence on his bullies. Like, he's mm-hmm. been – he's been pulled to, you know, he's been pulled so many different directions. And yeah. He, He's on the verge of snapping. Right. It just – it doesn't feel like he would though until he gets that push from this this girl that he meets, well, right? Well, like – The thing is he's got no confidence. That's why he's got to practice. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But at the same time though, he is carrying a pocket knife wherever he goes. 
So the idea mm-hmm. is there, but I don't think he's got the motive. He's got the the guts to actually go through with it. Right. He hasn't yet you know? built it up. Yeah. yeah. So there are so many just moments in this film that kind of stick with me. So many different different moments. And the first of it has to has to be this static shot that we get when I don't I, I we don't know his relationship, but um, are we calling her Ellie? Because she's not Eli, and they uh, well, say like uh, Ella. Well, to me, it's it's like Eli, but it's uh, e- Ely. Ely. Yeah, Ely. That sounds more feminine, I guess. Okay. She, whatever her, like the father figure, which it, it wasn't a dad, I don't think, even Ooh. though she says at the hospital, but um, him... He like gets the he gets the guy. He's like, oh, can you tell me what time it is or whatever? And the guy's like, blah blah blah. And he's like, what's that? And he's like, oh, it's I don't remember what it was. But he's like, Hol- tells him what it is. Then he attacks him. Yeah, I okay. actually looked it up. Uh, Holotan. It's a general anesthetic. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Makes yeah, sense. because I'm like, well, he's knock he's announcing what it is. I'm kind of curious what exactly he used to knock him out with, right? Mm-hmm. But it's such a cool shot because the the you get those like white skinny trees, which birch trees, maybe. I think so. Yeah, they're in the way. Like we don't see everything that's happening because they're they're you know blocking our view a little bit. So again, yeah. we get this obscured look, just like we did at, in the beginning through the through the glass. Like uh, it's just a fantastic shot, and the way the trees are lined up. I don't. It's such a fascinating shot. I absolutely love that. I just found that so weird because mm-hmm. well, one, he's doing it in the privy public place just to to snatch someone because yeah. he's he's on a on a jogging path, you know. And that, go ahead, yeah. So so, then, so so there's that like so to me he doesn't seem very qualified for the task mm-hmm. you know um, well I think he proves that time and time again yeah yes but now I have a question because mm-hmm. I, I had a I think I've answered my question as I went further in the film but my initial question at the beginning is that is this old man is he a pedophile or was he groomed to be her partner but because she's a vampire she hasn't you know she doesn't grow older so i'm wondering if like he was like a younger oscar when he was young and then they just became friends or if it's a symbiotic relationship where she needs him because she needs to feed and he needs her because he's got six sexual urges well so i'm not even if he i'm i'm, I'm kind of like leaning towards more pedophile but but he I don't know for so sure. she uh okay so she's actually so remember that shot late in the film when they show like her changing and we see like her scarred private area her scarred genitalia yeah in the book she is actually a boy it's not a she at all it's a boy who's been castrated before they were turned into a vampire or when really? they were turned into a vampire yeah and so we see the scarred genitalia, which they don't play up too much on that in the film. Yeah. Um, but she does say, what if I wasn't a boy? Would you still like me? And I didn't realize at the point at that time that in reality, because it's a boy. You think it's a boy? But Interesting. I never yeah, thought of that's, that. That's what it is in the book, at least. But I mean, like, obviously shit changes, you know. But and then they specifically, they actually had a different person voice the main character, the main girl's lines because she sounded too feminine. Oh, and I, I didn't know that. Cast because she looked more androgynous, which I didn't think she did at all. But that's, I didn't think so either. That's what I was reading. So I mean, you know, taking oh, a grain of salt. But that's that's news to me. I wasn't aware that she was overdubbed. That's interesting. Yeah. 
But yeah, so because thinking that, you know, I don't think he would have had sex, been able to have sex with her, even if she just had, because like we see the scar. So even if you throw out the whole boy thing, we see a scar. Yeah. And so like, I don't know that that was. But you know, it's, it's, it's. A fleeting moment, like it's a, it's exactly. a, you know, by the time you focus your eyes, you're not sure what you're seeing and it's gone already. Right. Um, right. So now th- the way I'm thinking that he's maybe a pedophile mm-hmm. without jumping too far in, but later on in the film, when the, he's gone and she gives Oscar, he, she, uh, she offers Oscar money, goes here, take this. Mm-hmm. And he goes, well, is this money from people you've killed? And she says, no. So she's living on a mattress in the apartment by herself. I'm thinking she's luring pedophiles to fuck her. And that's the money that he pays or that they paid to her. <laughs> that's interesting. I didn't think that at all. I just figured okay. like, because every time I watch anything with vampires, they're always just rich because they've been alive for so long. Well, she does have that little nugget of gold, but, uh, mm-hmm. you know, she still needs like cash cash, I suppose. So I don't know. I, I could be completely wrong, but I have a feeling that she's, that because she's a vampire and she's, she's, She's a vampiric so young, so she's always going to stay the same age for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm thinking she probably lures, you know, guys who like younger kids to do her bidding. That's why this guy is so eager to to have her feed so that she won't be hungry and then he can, you know, get whatever he gets out of the relationship. But mm-hmm. I could be wrong. I That's just how I read the scenes. Yeah, I... That's interesting. Yeah. I didn't see that, I guess. I didn't get that. But I mean, it's interesting to definitely interesting to think about. Yeah. And, but, and the other thing that throws me off about him is. Yeah. Like, I want to lean toward like, you know, he was groomed to work with her and blah, blah, blah. But I feel like he's not very, he's not that great at it. No. He fucks up like the two times we see him try to help her. The three times we choose him to try to help, he fucks up every time. So it's like, yeah. Which maybe I, he is newer. I, I don't know. Well, well, I think that he probably is a new mate of her mm-hmm. or a new running mate. Yeah. Uh, because he has like the tools, but he has no know how whatsoever. Because, right. I would, if I were put in that position, I probably would not have made the same choices he had. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, yeah. But, yeah, and you were talking about when he was he kind of picks up that person at the stop uh, on the with the watch, yeah. kind of in the middle of the open. Well, right he over. fucking he's like hanging him like a deer. It wasn't exactly out in the fucking nowhere; like it was well, feet away from where people would be walking. Like it was, and it was open. I was like, man, like he's kind of out in the middle of the like out in the middle of everything. I'm like, what's going on here? Well, that's something else, which I love that scene because oh, yeah, like, absolutely. With the, with, like it's really brightly, brightly lit. So mm-hmm. the snow is just almost neon. Exactly. With, with the, you know, with the black sky in the background, yeah. it's beautiful. And then you see this guy hanging and the blood is dropping into like this Javix bottle. Um, and he gets caught by a giant fucking poodle. A huge poodle. I don't think <laughs> I've seen a poodle that big before, uh. but just the fact that, you know, he didn't do it in an undisclosed location. Like, go mm-hmm. do it in the shed or something. But just out in the open like that, the guy right. is not that smart. He's being driven by a, by lust, maybe. Hmm. If he was a pedophile, it'd be, you know, to get mm-hmm. back home quick enough so he can, who knows what, you know? Right. I love um, Ellie's uh, introduction. I forget how we said we're saying her name. But I love her introduction. She's just like, because um, Oscar's. And playing with the knife outside or whatever. 
And she, like, we hear a little bit of a noise, and then all of a sudden the camera, like, turns back, and we see she's just kind of, like, standing there, creeped up out of nowhere on the playground equipment. I just, it was a cool, cool shot. Very well done. Mm-hmm. Great introduction to who that character was. Um, and it and seems then she does that every time she shows up outside. Yeah. She's always right. perched like that, you know? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I love that moment when she's, like, um, yelling at the old man because he fucked up. Because he did, he forgot the blood, yep. and I just thought that was frightening. I don't know, just the way her voice was, because it was like something was done to it, and it was it was a very frightening moment. I'm like, damn, that's so intimidating, and it's this little girl. Like, I love that. Well, she's jonesing for a hit because, like, yep, exactly. the longer she's waiting, the more you know her face gets all bruised up, and there's they something. Did yeah, a there's wonderful something- job. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. Go, yeah, no. But you're right, though. There's just something about this film where they do chapped and cracked lips so well. Yeah. Because like she looks battle damaged, and exactly. Uh, you know, uh, I don't want to ever see that. Right. They consistently do this great job of making you can tell when she's had blood and when she hasn't. And yes. It's so consistent and just well done throughout the film. It's so very specific. Yeah, it, I agree. Can, so much attention to detail, and I just yeah. adore that. I love that small moment. Like his mom's like, oh, you're not, you're coming right home after school, blah, blah, blah. And he's like standing because she's in like the kitchen and we see both doorways and he's standing in the other end, just like mocking her. I thought that was hilarious because it was totally something I used to do when I was younger. I just love that moment. <laughs> yeah. Crack my shit up, a little shithead. Um, and then we get like the first, I guess this is, um, well, the first, her first kill scene. And this is one that it stuck with me ever since the first time I saw the film because I think it's so fucking brilliant. She's sure. sitting under this bridge and she lures this guy in by saying, help me, help me. And then he picks her up and then he just kills. She kills him and sucks his blood out. Like it was so perfectly executed on her part. You can tell she's done this before. And it was just so well shot because we're so far away from it happening. And then... Right when he go, she goes to kill him, we kind of jump back to the point of view of the guy on the balcony, the cat man on the balcony. Yeah. Um, and so, like, it's just limited views. And I, it's, oh, I love that so much. It just works so well. And then, like, the ease with which she breaks the neck at the end was just startling. Ah, it's such a fantastic scene. And at first, you know, I'm wondering why she's doing that, right? Mm-hmm. And then you'll find out later on when she gets interrupted why she did it. Um, yep, but- exactly. And and also it was very animalistic the way she Oh like, yeah. Like this is not a romantic vampire at all. Even though this is right. a bit like a romance film, mm-hmm. you know, in yeah. a way. Um what Definitely. she does, it's it's purely driven by instinct. There's nothing mm-hmm. sensual or sexual about it whatsoever. Right. Yeah, so good. And uh what's the way to Oscar's heart? The Rubik's Cube, of course. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I love I love how much like he loved that she completed it. Like he was just so smitten right at that point. I love that. And it was cute. What's well, the fact that one, you know, uh, he's got someone to talk to and two yep. that, you know, she's smarter than he is, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Right. Um, I, I think out of loneliness, even if she didn't, uh, you know, solve the puzzle, he'd be still be smitten for her. Oh, absolutely. It just helps. Oh Yeah. I love how like Oscar will kind of call out her bullshit, even if he doesn't say it. He kind of like the like the facial expressions that he makes. Yeah. Um, like the one I wrote this down was she. He's like, you know, how old are you? And she's like, twelve, more or less. And he and then she asks him a question. He answers it, and then he goes, "What do you mean, more or less?" He he goes back to it. I like that. I thought that was just good, well written dialogue. 
that's the thing. Like, he's not a dumb kid. No, he's just a bullied kid that doesn't have a chance to really do anything at school. But like, he's smart, you know. He definitely Um, is. And I I do like that as more as the film progresses and he gets more confidence. That he there's that scene, you know, when he doesn't uh, let her in, Mm -hmm. and he's almost he's almost bullying her at that point. Yeah, it's almost a reversal. Uh, but mm-hmm. we'll guess we'll get that later. But it's just it's yeah. interesting what kind of story and what kind of arc he has uh, over the course of these two hours. Right, exactly. Let me get these fucking bullies. Like, who gives a shit what he was writing down? You stupid ass bullies! Like, I fucking hate you. Like, where are the parents? Why they're aren't just, you home? They're just go bullies. away, you fucker. Bullies are bullies. It doesn't. And they're like, the reason why? Yeah, they're like legitimate psychopaths because they only freak out once they leave a visible scar. I'm like, you're a fucking like a battered. Uh, uh, husband who beats his wife like I fucking hate you well, well it's interesting because you know there's that okay there's that scene where uh, they beat him with a switch yeah and what I don't get is that there's the the one bully that looks like him who's got mm-hmm. a brown coat and the blonde hair and starts wailing on Oscar yeah. to a point where he starts crying right but Oscar doesn't and then the and then the main bully hits him in the face once and leaves a nasty scar. Mm-hmm. And then they take off right away. Yeah, it was so weird. I couldn't even tell like where he was hitting him in the beginning. Like I thought it was like hitting him in his leg or something. I yeah, just like in, in the in the thigh, you know. Okay. But it just hmm. you know Oscar was has so much hatred for these guys that it's almost like he's dead inside, so he doesn't right. feel the switch anymore. Mm-hmm. But I just find it interesting that they're the ones that ran away after inflicting the damage <laughs> once exactly. they saw that Oscar. They didn't give a fuck and wasn't giving them the reaction that they wanted. Well, the reason they run away is because they say, oh, who's going to talk to his mom? And they're like, fuck. And then they ran away. Yeah. Because yeah. they because he cut his face. But um, I, I loved uh, Ellie so much. Like she feels beyond, like so beyond her years, which she is, right? She's yeah. like 200 or whatever, you know, but and that's just so like such a great job by that young actress. It's so well done. Mm hmm. And then she vomits after trying one piece of candy. That made me laugh. I was like, yeah. oh, it's perfect. What, what kind of candy was that? I, I wasn't sure exactly what he was What buying. type of candy it was? I don't know. Just some I sugar have... something. I don't know what it was. It looked just like a, a pla- like a small disc of compressed sugar or something. I wasn't I'm sure, sure that's exactly what it what was. It was. But, some uh, Swedish candy. But it is cool that she's trying to create a bond with Oscar by mm-hmm. eating or attempting the foods I know, that like, he that's... eats, you know? She plays his games and like, that's one of them. She knows she's going to get sick, but she does it anyway. And th- like well, you were already talking about when she walks into that or she's trying to get him to invite him in, her in. Yeah. Like she likes him so much. She wants to make this bond with him so much that she'll, she'll play these him. bullshit games. Yeah. Like she's yeah. going to play this bullshit. Just, you know, make that connection. And I love that. I just, her character is so great. I, I do think though, when she, when he doesn't say to come in and she's mm-hmm. bleeding, I think she's trying to do what Oscar had done to him with the switch where he's being the bully. She's, you know, and he didn't say anything. Mm-hmm. She's bleeding. She's not saying anything until he freaks out and says, hey, okay, come in, come in, come in. You know? Mm-hmm. So it's like the roles were yeah, reversed she's, there. She's proven a point. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Like, like, don't be a dumb fuck. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But, yeah. yeah. Um. And then we get like the, if I wasn't a girl, would you like me anyway line? I wrote down like, you know, it's so great because most people at this age would just be referring to her being a boy, but she's actually referring to her 
not being a girl because she's a vampire. And then I come to find out that it's this whole, they had this whole, you know, she actually is a boy. It was castrated, blah, blah, blah things. But I don't know, fascinating stuff. And I just thought there's so much, like there's so much happening in this in this little movie. It's, it's fascinating. So was she a castrated boy? Because I, I, I never got that. I, I didn't either, but that's in the book. She is. Yes. Ah, so weird. Okay. And it's, you know, you and because they they did things to make her feel more androgynous, I would assume that's what yeah. they were going for, but I never I, got I that. just thought that's what prepubescent vampire vagina looked like. I, I honestly don't know. <laughs> you know, it's the first one I ever see, so I right. have yeah. no idea. It was just, exactly. it was jarring though. <laughs> yeah, see, definitely. It made me feel the same way that it made me feel when I saw her with her old face. Like, it happens, oh, yeah. It happens exactly. twice. And I'm like, am I seeing what I'm actually seeing? Like, mm-hmm. what the, like, why is her face so old all of a sudden, you know? Right. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I got the same during, like, what the fuck am I watching? Right. You know, feeling when I saw that, when I saw the faces later on. Um, yeah. So then, um, we get the scene where the old man is terrible at what he does again. And so, like, he decides to pour the liquid on himself so that he's not recognizable. Um, I think it's fascinating because, like, the dynamic that the that the director is able to find here is just fantastic because he makes this horrible man sympathetic. Like this guy is yeah. killing young people, but he's still sympathetic because we, you know, we know what's going on. It's just fascinating. Well, he's obviously in love, or he's feeling something for Ellie because, mm-hmm. uh, or uh, Ellie because he puts himself in these bad positions, like going to the school and then attempting to kill the kid in the locker yeah. room. Right. Uh, yep. That's just fucking dumb. And then, you know, yeah. knowing he's trapped and it's over, then pours the acid on his face, but not enough acid because it got spilt. So he's right. just really maiming his face up. And it is fucked up when we see him again. That that special effects work was fucking awesome. It, it reminded me of Snoke from uh, the last uh, Star Wars movies. Okay. <laughs> I, I thought they looked very similar. That may be Harvey oh. Dent. Yeah, exactly. Yep. I'm like, this is one I would be, the book is like super fucking long. So I know I'll never read it, but like, I would really love to read the book because I'm sure we find out who that old man actually is. We find out more about the castration and blah, blah, blah. Like, I really want to read this book. I just know it will never happen because it's super thick. That or just jump on Wikipedia. Yeah, exactly. Read the synopsis. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So that shot. Oh, I love it. This is another one that always stuck with me. She goes in, she's barefoot. She goes to that nurse and is like, hey, no, my dad's hurt, blah, 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 where is he? And she told him seventh floor. Then she walks out and the nurse is like, oh, you poor thing. And she wants to go find her. Mm-hmm. And the camera backs out and we see her at the bottom, uh, the nurse at the bottom with the, the hospital behind her. And there's just a black blob in the middle. And then all of a sudden she walks in and we see that it's Ellie, whatever, walking up the the side of the building of the hospital. That was just so brilliant. I love yeah, that shot. That was pretty cool. Again, showing so cool. she's not human. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know? Exactly. Um, yeah. And then obviously we, we talked about his scarred face, but then he just sacrifices himself without even a second thought. I mean, it, the, their dynamic, that relationship is interesting. I mean, I want to know more about it. Well, to, to me, he gave the ultimate sacrifice to her because like he's exactly. going to go to jail. Yeah. Um, so, you know, uh, you can feed on me as my last gift to you because mm-hmm. I failed so many times. Right. If it wasn't and, so dirty, it'd be kind of romantic. Um, and then see, and I don't think it's, I, I'm still, I'm not in the dirty, I'm not in the dirty, uh, boat yet. I, okay. I don't, 
I, I want to know, I want to know if that's right. Like, I really want to know what that, what that is, but I never got anything like romantic between them at all. Um, but well, I don't think it's a, it's a romance where, you know, like, Hey, I'm going to come home and I'm going to fuck you. I think it's more of a, like, you know, uh, put you on a pedestal. I'll do anything mm-hmm. for you. O- almost Reinfeld. But at the same time, you know, he's got a love for this child and he knows that's wrong because it's not his child. So, so I, I, is there, is there any sexual gratification? I don't know. That's Mm -hmm. never shown at all, but I think there's something that's not right there. You just never see it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I could be making it all up too, you know. Hey, this film, there could be two timelines. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You know? Um, so. so then then the next scene is um, probably my favorite in the film. It is just – I was enthralled. Like, it was just amazing to me. That, that bedroom scene I thought was absolutely beautiful. So much innocence – Mixed with just everything else that's going on in Ellie's world. It's just, it was like a perfect example of innocence and maturity crashing into each other. And it was remarkable. That scene is so fucking amazing to me. When she like crawls in the bed with him and then they basically decide that they're going to go out. I, oh, so good. Such a good scene. Yeah. No, I thought it was as well. And then we finally get those little fucking bullies to get hit in the side of the head. I was so happy when they're ice skating. And uh, he says, if you push me, I'm going to hit you with the stick. And he does just that. And it was great. And that, of course, is when they find the dead body. Uh, I forget the, the guy's name. La- La- Jockey, maybe? Jock? Uh, his name his was... Body. Michael Rom. J- Jokey, I think it was. Yeah. A-O-C-K-E. Yeah. Yeah. Jockey? Yeah. One of those. So... um. So then he kind of, he takes um, Ellie to like this place where like the big kids go and they're not supposed to blah, blah, blah. When he starts cutting his hand, like I was anxious. Like I felt my like anxiety picking up because I know what's happening here. Like he starts cutting his hand yeah. and like, I'm like, oh no, like what are you doing? And then I got super creeped out because she like dives down and she looks like a different, like she looks like a different creature when she starts licking the blood, and it was just like genuinely creepy. Well, see, now at that point, did he know for sure she was a vampire? No, because I not, think they just wanted to be not. like blood brothers or blood. Friends, yeah, that's what right? he was trying to do. Yeah, yeah. and then Which yeah, is such her, a her, fucked up thing to do. Like, <laughs> well, kinda, but he's kind of weird to begin with, right? Right. But but no, I'm sure because, it was like normal back when. But like I don't know, a decade ago, like, it's probably like his first like real friend. Mm-hmm. You know, but this uh, this movie actually took place in 1981. Did you know that? No, I did not know that. Yep. Really? Yeah. yeah. So I'm sure I saw an iPhone somewhere. I'm kidding. I have no idea. I, I was I was yeah. I was le- like legitimately thinking. I'm like I don't know. I don't remember oh, seeing. Any I, I had no clue that was 81. I just thought it was you know rural. Uh, <laughs> I had no idea. <laughs> I know that shows our ignorance. I didn't realize it either. I read it afterwards. Well, well he has like. Older clothes, you mm-hmm. know, but the other kids, you know, with their parkas and whatnot, I didn't see anything that would beg otherwise. And there aren't that many vehicles in this movie. So, right. yeah, uh, I didn't, I wasn't aware of that. Um, so, so we got a lot of static shots in this and I love those. I think that was just awesome. 
And then all of a sudden we get this crazy camera movement that feels so different than anything else I'd seen up to that point. Right before Ellie attacks uh, Jania, when she's like walking up the stairs and like then all of a sudden jumping out of nowhere from the top, we see her land on her. Like yes. there was so much camera movement in the, in those moments leading up to that. That was just so jarring because it was so, excuse me, so different than anything we've had before. Well, again, now she's she's got to fight for her own, right? Like uh, she's got nobody to bring her any blood. Um, so I, I thought it looked really animalistic the way she just pounced yeah. on her. I love that. And uh, it just it brings me to my favorite scene in the film later on when uh, when she's in the hospital. But <laughs> I, I, I find how they yeah. dealt with uh, with vampirism. Mm-hmm. Was so cool with the whole like light thing and it I burning know. right away. Oh, That's so cool! And this is also the reason why because now, um, uh, what's her name? Jinya, uh, Jinya. Yeah. She's she's getting uh, attacked by Illy, and then uh, Jockey comes in and hoofs her off of her, so mm-hmm. she didn't get a chance to snap her neck like right. she did, like uh, Ellie did the, the with the first guy, so yeah. he doesn't turn into a vampire as well. So. I thought that was a kind of as a cool thing to you know like if you really paid attention earlier on, it's a yeah, cool exactly. thing to look upon. I love that because because I guess as soon as you get bitten, um, you become a vampire if it's mm-hmm. just for a second or if it's for a long period of time. So right. Um, and then in the interim here, we kind of find out that Oscar's father is a drunk, and I just thought that was a strange scene because like I couldn't tell who the guy well, was that came in. Like I, I'd almost felt like. I have there was questions. something off about him. Yes, I have questions as well. First of all, he comes in unannounced, right? He just right. walks in. With these so, fucking snow-covered socks and sandals. Like, what the yeah. fuck is happening? So, is Oscar's uh, hus- our father, is he a drunk? Or uh, is he gay? And uh, right. Exactly. I was thinking it could, it could be both. I almost got the impression that it was both. You know, did he leave? Because now if you're saying this is like 1981 – Mm-hmm. It kind of makes more sense that it's not discussed at all. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, because it, it's funny how he changed attitude. Like, he's playing with his son. Right, yeah. This guy walks in, like, doesn't even knock. He just walks in. Mm-hmm. And uh, next thing you know, uh, they're, they're just drinking vodka now. Right. So, something tells me there's something a little more uh, – I'm thinking maybe the guy is – he's gay. I mean, yeah, that that's kind of the the feeling I had as well. Yeah, yeah, and the fact that it is in the early eighties, mm-hmm. um, you know, and not in two thousand eight or whatever, you know, um, yeah. maybe that's why it's 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 well, it's hinted. Well, at least I I read that vibe, right? Because yeah. he almost kind of like <sighs> he just acts so differently in front of his in front of Oscar after that, you know. Yeah, but mm-hmm. like he's drinking, but he's not enjoying his drinks either. Right. And the other guy's like, oh, you've got your son here. He's not mm-hmm. supposed to be here. Like, so something tells me that he's, maybe he's a closet homosexual. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Right. And it's probably um, not looked upon fondly in 1981. Exactly. Right. And that's something so. I'm sure is expanded upon in the book, which is another reason I should just read the damn book. Yeah. But um, I love the idea. So, like, she, Jania, goes back to uh, the apartment with all the cats and I love the idea of like all the cats going all out crazy and attacking her. I just wish they weren't so CGI. <laughs> that, that's but, my it's it's the scene I hate the most in this film is those cats look so bad. Yeah. 
I, I, you know, frankly, it's the only somewhat negative thing I could say about the film uh, yes. is just the CGI cats, which I'm sure just had to do with budget and everything. You know, it's 2008, blah, blah, blah. So whatever. I, I totally but, agree. And, yeah. and the fact that that apartment is way too clean to have so many cats in it. So many cats. Yeah, exactly. Way too clean. It must <laughs> smell hilarious. like from Munda in there. Oh, God, I know. You know? So, yeah, I, I don't believe that in one second. Yeah, and then back to this like window imagery. Like, there's just so much here, so many shots through windows, reflections of on windows, and so on. Like this scene here, when um, Oscar goes to her place, she like locks herself behind the glass door, and that's when they have the "I'm a vampire" conversation. Yeah, like I don't know what to make of it, but there's obviously something to it, and it's it's, uh, it's fascinating. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I don't have much for that scene. Um, oh, yeah. I, I think in a way it's done that way so that if he wants to run, he can because mm-hmm. she's behind. And but right. at the same time, she's confessing her true self to him, so she yep. really trusts him. But uh, he's got that out if he decides to. Mm-hmm. But by then, he's too much into her uh, yeah. to to do anything. Her, him, whatever you know. Mm-hmm. He just he loves his friend. Exactly. Um. I love that he like almost he almost grew ballsier once he found out that she was a vampire. Like just his demeanor, some of the things he he did, like he was like, um, you know, I'm I want to go home and like if you're gonna let me or something. I don't know. It was just like he grew, like because he found out her secret, it felt like he had like something over her. He felt more confident, a bit of a dominance over her. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, he grew. He grew some balls at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think possibly because he kind of vanquished his bullies. Yeah. You know, uh, with the whole ear thing mm-hmm. that, uh, exactly. you know, they that were now, the, yeah, now the roles are kind of, re- they're not reversing, but there's just, it's a little bit of a shift where now he feels that he's on top of the world and he can kind of throw his weight around a bit more. Right. Yeah, exactly. No, not be such a wildering flower and, you know, mm-hmm. kind of, stand up to him, for himself but at this point it's it's almost like almost a bully teasing in a way so right yeah yeah the dynamic shift a bit mm-hmm. and then we get like so all this like crazy shit's happening and then we get this quick dose of like reality that he still is a kid when he's like racing his mom brushing their teeth just like the it was such a small moment but it's just the juxtaposition of that compared yeah. to everything else that had been happening was so jarring and i like that well, it's a nice moment with his mom. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, he just yeah. had a bad one with his dad, and uh, right. you know, she seems to be on his case a lot. Mm-hmm. So it, it was nice that you know, even though there's, you know, they have issues in their own relationship, they can still yeah. love each other. Yeah, it was a touching moment. And then we get uh, the like, impl- not the impl- when Gianna catches on fire. Yes, my favorite scene. <laughs> I love that scene. I thought it was so cool. It, uh, it really was. Yeah. Like, because I, it was just so unexpected. Like, yeah. Well, that's the thing. You know, like you saw her get singed a bit with the fingers, mm-hmm. but then to have the windows just open up and then her just into a ball yeah. of flame. Yeah. Crazy. I, I looked really cool. And that's one of the things I remember from the first time I saw the film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's very cool. Um, And then we already talked about this a little bit, so I'll just go quickly. But I just like, I wanted to fucking scream. When he, when Oscar waited so long to actually say, okay, you can come in. Like, yeah. but man, it was just such a great scene. Like, she's so fantastic. And like we already talked about, she's like, she's just willing to play these games to prove, 
you know, that she wants to be around him or, or whatever it is, that, you know, that she's proving like it's fascinating. But then it gets so scary because like after exactly. that scene, she doesn't wipe her, she doesn't take a shower right away. I know. So, like, yeah, I think at one point, blood. at one point, I think she mounts him and she mm-hmm. talks to him where he's on the ground and she's on top. And yep. it's the way that That's what his she's... face was kind of blocking her face a bit. So yeah. it was a really cool angle and a really creepy moment. Exactly, because that's when we see her turn into that old woman for a second. Like, I wasn't well, even positive because I wrote down, like, did you see that? Like, I wanted to make sure I wasn't crazy, but you already mentioned it. So I'm sure you, well, that's one of those. That's the second time we see that. The first time yeah. is when she's lapping the blood when he cuts it to do a blood brother thing. Right, yeah. Uh, you see a glimpse of, like, an old face. Mm-hmm. And then you see it again now. So, yeah, it's yeah. it's it's chilly. It's chilling. Hmm. It's such a cool fucking scene. Mm-hmm. Um. So one thing I was a little confused about was how did um, the guy who, uh, like Gianna's boyfriend, whichever one he was, Lock- Lackey maybe? Uh, 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 Lucky? Yeah. Jo- no, jo- Jockey, he... Jockey. I thought he was the one that was dead earlier. No, no. Uh, oh, I don't think so. I think, no, it was the guy that, uh, it was Wait. it was Jockey. No, yeah, the, the guy who died earlier was uh, his, his best friend. The Swedish guy that Gianna was dating. Um, yes. <laughs> he... I was a little confused, like, how he knew which apartment it was, and, like, he broke in with ease, and then, like, he knew that she was in the bathroom. I don't – that was – the whole thing was just strange. Well, w- earlier in the movie, when they're all having uh, – they're all eating at Lunch. that restaurant, yeah. and mm-hmm. they go – and he goes, talks to the, uh, you know, older man. Right. He goes, oh, you just moved into unit number 17, I think it was, right? Mm-hmm. And he doesn't pretty much say anything. He just walks out. Yeah. So, he had an idea where she was staying, and then – Knowing what she what he saw with you know her jumping down and sucking blood, and then the fact oh, that the that's window right. was yeah. all covered, so that he kind of like he's a bit of a drunk, but he's still you know he can put two and two together. Right, right, yeah, that's such a cool scene. So like Oscar's coming and he's gonna you know gonna gonna stab him, and then he he starts opening the window and he screams no, and that's when she gets him. So fucking cool, and then like. She's just covered in his blood. And it's like, of all the fucking time she could have kissed him, she chooses when she's covered in blood. Like, oh, it's yeah. so gross. I'm like, well, oh, Oscar. I think the reason for that is because at this moment, Oscar just saved her life. Right. Because exactly. Jockey could have killed her because you yeah, know, she definitely. was in her slumber. And he actually mm-hmm. saved her life. Um, right. So I think it's at that point where she really falls for him. Yeah, definitely. Like, in a way, you know, he was... They were friends, but she was still a bit of, you know, he was still a bit of a plaything to her. Yeah. But I think I think that solidified their relationship right there. And then we get these stupid fucking bullies coming back. I'm like, oh my God. And I swear to God, was the one, like the brother of the main bully, was he wearing a fanny pack? Oh, Did you I see a fanny pack? Because like I, I fucking I hated him. So. I don't think so. I don't know why, but I thought I saw a fanny pack and it just made me hate him even more. I was like, oh my God, I hate these fuckers. <laughs> um... One thing that killed me is like Oscar, he doesn't, when the guy's like, come here, he doesn't swim the fuck. He doesn't try to like run away or swim away. He swims toward him and lets him like stick his head under the water. I'm like, what are you doing? You like, well, fuck Oscar. Okay. In that scene, I think Oscar felt that he had dominated his bullies. So maybe they were just playing around with him because he acted really weird there. And like right off the bat too, before the bullies show up. I guess he's learning how to swim because he's doing steps in the water. Yeah. Which yeah, was weird. Goofy. But then when the teacher goes away because of the fire. Yeah. And the other bully 
started doing it and he started giggling along with them like mm-hmm. they're friends and started doing it again. He just acted a little slow well, there, you know? That made sense to me because like they're kind of playing up the idea that that person, that bully is trying to be friends with them. Like basically that guy was impressed with the fact that he stood up for himself and knocking the other bully, the main bully in the head because sure. he comes up to him like three, t- he comes up to him once right after and was like, he says something. And then yeah. um, there's a second time and then he calls. And so he's thinking that maybe this kid like wants to be his friend maybe. So I think that made sense to me. Well, I just always weird is that like the teachers, you know, doing drills with them and then mm-hmm. the bully, you know, jumps in and continues and he's yeah. just going along with it. Like, hey, you're my teacher yeah. now. And right. the fact that, you know, he's trading water, but he's also drinking the water and spitting it <laughs> I out. Know. I I'm like, like, what is happening? He's just acting kind of slow you know but i think that's just him maybe maybe i don't know to me he was acting weird and then just you know bully's gonna put him underwater and he just obliges without like running away just maybe he has issues maybe um trusting people i I don't know it it, it was just it was weird for me i i thought he acted oddly and it kind of bugged me hmm well, it didn't bug me. I, I, he did act oddly. I mean, it bothered me that he acted in that way, but I don't know. I just feel like that's just him being fucking Oscar. Cause he, yeah, no but, shit. But great hair, though. My God. Great, great hair. Oh. Um, so then we get oh, – I just fucking love this scene so much. So, like, obviously we see the first – like, the feet go fly – like, through the water. We see that as he's holding his breath. Then the fucking head comes into the water and then the yeah. arm. It's like, oh my God, this is so brilliant. I love this so much. I like Such a seeing cool scene. A, a, a violent vampire attack, mm-hmm. but you're only seeing aftermath. You're not right. seeing the actual yeah. like, blood and guts. I thought that was really well done. Absolutely. And then that last shot of the, the, the last bully sitting there and crying while the others are just like dead. Oh, yeah. so wonderful. Like, fuck those pieces of shit. I, I agree. Love man. Ellie. Oh, man. And so then I wrote down that I wish I knew so that we get the last scene there, like in the cart, the train together or whatever. And I said, I wish I knew what they were saying to each other in Morse code at the end. But apparently, according to what I've read, they were spelling out, which sounds stupid, but P-U-S-S, which I guess means small kiss in Swedish. Oh, okay. So that's what they were. That's what they were uh, Morse coding to each other. Um, Yeah. I didn't remember this being the end of the movie at all, and but like, man, I would love to see a sequel to this. Like, it's just fucking crazy. Really, I, I'm I'm happy with being just what it is. No, I, it, no, absolutely. But like, I I love these characters so much that like I want to oh, see sure. more type of thing. Okay, yeah, yeah. That's why I just I need to read the book. And now, so is it a Swedish book that's translated in English? I'm assuming. That's my assumption. Yeah, because I yeah. think the author's Swedish. Yeah, he sounds it exactly. All right, cool. Anything else you want to add or you want to move on to our final thoughts and our star rating? Uh, let's move on to our final thoughts and star rating. All right. So what are your final thoughts and your star rating for Let the Right One In? I thought it was a beautiful, atmospheric uh, Swedish horror film. Um, the way that the shots were made and just the decisions that the director took put me into the uh, into the scenario or into the town um, by using very little, you know, the techniques used, like the silence, um, the, the shots. I just felt, I felt I was there because 
I guess because it's also it's winter time here, so you know maybe I'm I'm looking at the snow on the TV and I'm looking at the snow outside. I can just you know correlate the two. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, it was a very intimate film. You know, it's it's not a it's not an action film in any way, shape, or form. Um, but it's you know it's an intimate vampire, platonically coming of age romance film. Um, I, I I liked it a lot. Uh, the only thing I would change would be those CGI cats. Everything <laughs> else really is perfect. Um, for the few s- pieces of music that we hear, I thought they were really it, w- it was well selected. Um, the actors were great, um, and I don't believe the stars did much after this. I believe the girl who plays uh, Ellie, yeah. I think she's only done. Uh, her name is Lena Lederson. Uh, I believe she's only done three films. Um, yeah, she's done three films. Um, last one in 2013. And as for the guy who plays Oscar, I believe he only made two films. I'm just going to pull up his IMDb here if it will load. Yeah, and it's and like not a loading. TV series. Yeah, so uh, they've done very little after this. Um, Which blows my mind. Yeah, surprisingly so, you know. Um, but yeah, amazing film. Um I'm not saying it's a perfect film, but I like it a lot. I'm going to give it three and a half out of four stars. Oh, man. Because of the cats. Because I, I took oh, out I took out is... point one point, point one star I, for every cat. I'm almost had. about to cry right now. Uh, oh, man. <laughs> what are you going to give it? <laughs> so Let the Right One In is absolutely wonderful. It's undoubtedly the greatest vampire film I've ever seen and one of my favorite films, period. I absolutely loved it. The first time I saw it, I felt even more in love with it this time out. It is damn near perfect and has some unexpectedly beautiful and moving scenes in it. The young actors, they show remarkable depth, most notably um, with with Ellie, who effortlessly plays beyond her years. It's 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 incredible. Uh, the cinematography is at times stark and stiff and then fluid and poetic when it needs to be. The score is wonderful. The script is even stronger. This is nothing short of a masterpiece of genre filmmaking in my eyes. It's must-see, and I cannot wait to watch it a third, fourth, fifth, and so on time. So I'm giving Let the Right One in four out of four stars. Oh, Ash, it's your fault. I mean, right? <laughs> I actually was messaging Ash to see if he uh, what his star rating was going to be, but he has not not replied yet. He might be in bed already, but because um, uh, yeah, I was well, curious, yeah. just curious. Well, um, I think you know because uh, me and the wife watched it. Uh, give it uh, two stars. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's that's my invitation. That's why I don't that's do good. voices. That's <laughs> yeah. good. Yeah, that's Thanks. yeah. It's a good thing you have another job. Oh, man, you're right. <laughs> I was hoping that this might be our second film in the Cinefessions Hall of Fame. But alas, y'all got to fuck up my, my, my shit. So here we are. Because, you know, this is not a film I could watch over and over again. Pulp Fiction really? is. Yeah. Oh, I, I couldn't watch this on a regular basis. This is something you let gestate for a bit. Then you go back with a few years later. And that's as good as it needs to be. <laughs> well, that's just my pay. Hey, three and a half out of four is pretty damn good. Just it not is. in the hall. That's all. So it's yeah. useless. All <laughs> right. So let's move over to round 52 and going to be the last, at least for a while, round yes. of the Best in the Backlog Challenge. So this, of course, where we take a look at each other's unwatched pile and challenge them to watch one of those films 
and then review it on the following podcast. So last week, Mark, I gave you 47 meters down to watch from 2017. Yeah. And you gave me 2015's Crimson Peak to watch. Mm-hmm. So go ahead and talk about 47 meters down. Okay. Well, 47 meters down from Teen. Um, so it's directed by uh, Johan Roberts, who, uh, oddly enough, he also directed um, uh, The Strangers Pray at Night. <laughs> uh, oh, okay. Yeah. I and didn't realize look- that. Yeah. And I'm looking at uh, his IMDb right now, and he's in pre-production for 48 meters down. Hmm. So interesting. Um, yeah, 47 meters down. So it's about uh, two sisters. One's more adventurous. Uh, one is not. And they go to Mexico, or I should say they're in Mexico, and they decide to go see some sharks. So uh, they jump into a boat with two other Mexican guys that they just met, and captained by uh, Matthew Modine. And uh, they set sail, and uh, they get to this other boat that uh, has a cage. So the two uh, Mexican guys go in the cage. Five minutes later, they come back up. All's good. Girls go in the cage. And something happens with the winch, and they get dropped 47 meters to the ocean floor. And that's where the fun starts. Um, I don't want to go into too many details of what happens underwater, but Mm -hmm. um, I really dug this movie. Um, You know, when it comes to shark movies, it's like you got Jaws, then you got everything else. And I thought this was a pretty solid shark film that's not Jaws. the ending I loved, which I will not talk, but I really dug the ending. Um, and honestly, Mandy, it's Mandy Moore and Claire Holt. Claire Holt, I'm not familiar with, but uh, I thought she was really good. I'm looking at what she used to do, and uh, she's in uh, the originals. I'm not sure what that is. Um, she's in... <laughs> the originals is a spinoff of uh, the Vampire Diaries from the Vampire Diaries. Okay. She's in I know, pretty my little... wife's obsessed. Gotcha. She's in Pretty Little Liars, which I haven't seen. I probably won't see either. But uh, I, I, I really dug her in this film here. I thought she was pretty cool. And Manny Moore is pretty decent as well. Um, but uh, yeah, so it's a, it's a shark film. It's a survival film. It's underwater. Uh, air is running out. What are we going to do? Uh, you'll find out if you watch it. Um yeah, so I, I really dug it. Uh, I think I gave it like three and a half out of five on uh, Letterboxd. So this probably, let me see here. Yeah, so I'm going to give this a solid two and a half out of four stars. Okay, I think that's I think that's what I gave it as well. I really, I thought the CGI sharks were actually fantastic. Well, you know what? I did not know that they were CGI sharks until uh, okay. after. Actually, I was listening to my buddy Ian's uh, Talk Without Rhythm podcast where mm-hmm. he did a double uh, – uh, he did a podcast with uh, open water and 47 meters down. And I thought that the fish – like they had schools of fish in the beginning. Yeah. I thought that was CGI, but I thought the sharks looked really good. Yeah, so, they did. Uh, yeah. Um, I, uh, did, have you seen The Shallows? Not yet. Okay. I liked but 47 I do meters down better. Oh, did you? Yeah, I wasn't a big well, fan of The Shallows at all. I heard except The Shallows for, is kind of boring. Except for the the view because Blake uh, Lively, yes. get out of town. But I – and I just like – I did not like Mandy Moore in this. Like I not her acting essay but her character. I just hated her character. But – Oh, oh, sure. I thought she was a fine – she was yeah. fine in it. Well, well, since you saw it, like I, 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 uh, I loved the end. Like you know, with the whole – hand in the water and the blood i thought that was really cool so mm-hmm. i didn't i didn't expect that but it made so much more sense and i think the film if you do listen to if you actually pay attention they kind of spoon feed you what's going to happen next 
you mm-hmm. know, with these, oh, be careful for this and warning this and, oh, yeah. she's, you know what I mean? So right. it's kind of painted by the numbers. But, you know, mm-hmm. when it comes to a shark movie, I don't need a let the right ones in with a shark. Uh, you know, just, <laughs> right. this is a, a summer payment in numbers, you know, flick. Mm-hmm. Cool. I, I enjoyed this a lot. So that's why I gave it such what I gave it. But uh, I enjoyed it. I think it's worth to check it out. Good. Yeah. So Crimson Peak. So I bought Crimson yes. Peak uh, back when I was still buying virtually anything that I was interested in. And being a uh, Guillermo del Toro film, I had to have it. Um, I missed it in theaters, uh, and I heard a lot of mixed things about it, so I didn't rush to watch it. But honestly, I'm really glad that I finally have watched it because it was a lot better than I expected. So this one, it's about Edith Cushing, who falls for an English stranger named Thomas Sharp. He and his sister are they're visiting the States to try and persuade Edith's father, among some other people, to invest in this machine that he's building. Um, while he's there, Edith falls for Thomas, but her father doesn't like that idea and offers like him and his sister money if uh, Thomas and his sister will leave the country after they break her heart. So Thomas breaks her heart, but he can't bring himself to leave without her. So uh, in the meantime, Edith's father tragically dies. And in her mourning, she decides to marry Thomas and she heads out to live with him and his sister overseas. Uh, when she gets there, though, things start getting like really creepy because she begins to like be tormented by these ghosts and... I'll leave it at that point because I don't want to spoil anything. But and I got to admit, like the first 30 minutes or so of this film, I thought were just incredibly boring um, and it lost me a lot. But then uh, it things changed, you know, I, and I got a kick out of seeing Loki in this film, Tom Hiddleston. Uh, I didn't expect that at all. Um, and I just love seeing it here. And he was fantastic in this. Um, and once her father dies and it's like this sudden burst of hard violence out of absolutely fucking nowhere after these 30 minutes of kind of a bore fest. That's when I really started getting sucked in by the film. Um, I thought the ghosts were well done. Um, and the atmosphere that Del Toro creates is excellent here. Uh, Jessica Chastain and Mia Wasikowska play the sister and Edith respectively. And they're great alongside Tom Hiddleston. Um, incredibly strong female characters that don't take any shit. And I love that about them. Uh, and they're just fantastic in their roles. The greatest aspect of this film, though, has to be how much of a visual feast it is. Every single frame is gorgeous and worthy of being a picture mounted on my wall. It was really reminiscent of the Corman Poe cycle films that we did, but with a lot more money and kind of a more modern modern flair to it. Uh, The mansion that Edith moves into with Thomas and his sister is fascinating because it's decaying and it like literally leaves are falling in from the ceiling and eventually snow which gives it this this incredible aesthetic i'll watch this film again simply because of how beautiful it is to look at the story is engaging and it's pretty fucked up as well which just pushed everything together for me so outside of the first 30 minutes i love this movie so i'm giving crimson peak three and a half out of four stars yeah it was tons of fun i really liked it yeah i liked it too yeah it was I've heard so many mixed things. Like, I know you liked it. Ash really liked it. Uh, Chris didn't like it at all. And a lot of other people I was, you know, talking with, they didn't like it. So it was very mixed, but uh, I'm glad I, I fell on the side that did that did really enjoy it and appreciate it. Well, not, there's not a lot of gothic horror out there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and gothic horror is more atmospheric than actual, like, scares. Right. Uh, and I, I just... The I last... Just- the last one I can think of was uh, The Woman in Black, and that was very disappointing. And so and I thought that this was, very was good. Yeah. much better. But. 
Yeah, uh, the woman in black two is on Netflix now. I gotta check that out. Just yeah, I gotta, to I gotta see it. it. Yeah, yeah. So yes, we are going to move on to something different starting next week during this segment. Obviously, we're going to have a new arc, which we're going to talk about in just a second, but we also have a new uh, new segment here. So instead of the best in the backlog challenge, at least for the next arc, we'll say, we're going to fill this segment of the show with a different review. So this time around, we've decided that we are going to review a television series that you can find on Netflix from 2017, 2016, whatever, Slasher Season 1. Yeah. I know very little of this show. I'm not sure on what network it, it played on first mm-hmm. or where it played. Um, like, I don't know where, which part of the world. Um, I, it sounds pretty cool. Uh, the, uh, I guess the synopsis on, uh, IMDb is a young woman returns to the small town where her parents were murdered only to find the past reemerging as a new series of murders begins. Uh, it sounds very screamish. <laughs> uh, hopefully, it's wait, better wait, than wait, 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 wait. What? That's your that's your synopsis. That's what's on IMDb for slasher. Okay, are we even on the same thing here? Because the 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 slasher on Netflix synopsis says rampaging serial killers leave carnage in their wake as their next vic- victims fight to stay alive in this horror anthology series. Oh well, I might be looking at the wrong thing right now. Then maybe I'm very well, curious. Let- Okay, they sound like two there... very different things. Very different. Uh, let me pop up my Netflix then because uh, let's see if the same actors are in it. Huh. Interesting. Let's, uh, yeah, this is the one I thought we were doing. Is this not it? Rampaging Soul Killers. Jailer. Okay. Well, you know, it's the same show. Okay. That's crazy. That sounds like two very different shows. But Well, that sounds so much cooler. So, yeah. Okay, right. so Netflix. Rampage and oh. seal killers leave carnage in their wake as their next victims fight to stay alive in this horror anthology series. And here I've got maybe, this stupid thing about... Uh, about uh, maybe it is um, like each season is its own story. Maybe that's what it's talking about as a th- anthology. Maybe. Who knows? Hey, if, it, if well, it's we're a gonna different find thing... Out. Yeah, yeah, we're going to watch them for the first mm-hmm. time with you all. So, yeah. Exactly. So, uh, how we're doing this. So, th- our next arc is going to be four episodes. Yes. And so, because of that, there are eight episodes in Slasher, uh, this TV series, um, season oh, one. Season one. Yeah. Yep. And so, we're going to watch two episodes per podcast. So, if you guys are following along with us, that's how we're going to do it. So, next week, we will be talking about episode one and two of Slasher season one. Yes. So. I'm excited to try it. It's just something different, you know. So Me too. that said, the best in the backlog challenge isn't necessarily dead. We're just we're just going to put it on a bit of high of a hiatus uh, for a little bit, so we can try something different. Um, and we'd love to hear feedback from you guys, our listeners, to let us know if you want us to go back to it. You want to try something different? If there's a TV series you'd like us to review in this segment, and uh, you know, after we're done with Slasher, let us know. Anything, any feedback would be great. So. Mm-hmm. With that in mind, let's talk about where we're going to go from here. So now that we've finished up our Scandinavian horror arc, which I got to say was a fantastic arc. I'm so glad we did this. It was awesome. But we have to figure out where we're going to go next. So the past few arcs have been horror heavy, which we love. But in order to switch things up a bit, we decided to move over to the sci-fi genre for our next arc. And we're going to stick in with horror as well because we're doing slasher. So that'll, that'll bring horror to the podcast as well. But what are we going to be reviewing? Hmm. Well, this time out, 
we're going to jump back to a simpler time. 1999. On March 31st, 1999, the Wachowskis took the world by storm with their release of The Matrix. This sci-fi action film made over $400 million more than its $63 million that it took to produce it. Introduce the world to Bullet Time, Neo, Morpheus, and the Red or Blue Pill. The -hmm. Matrix is a staple in pop culture, and there's a damn good reason for that. And that reason is exactly what we're going to explore in our next arc as we take a trip through the Matrix series, including 1999's The Matrix and 2003's The Matrix Reloaded and Matrix Revolutions. And then we're going to end it off with the short film collection, also from 2003, called The Animatrix. So... This set of films are, these are are one that I've been wanting to revisit for such a long time now. So I'm really excited to finally dive back into these. Um, There are a handful of sci-fi films that have really changed and influenced the film industry in big ways. And the Matrix series is absolutely one of those. So we're really excited to move on from these, these quiet, isolated, intimate atmospheres of our Scandinavian horror films to the big, crazy, action-packed Matrix series. We hope you guys are going to come along for the ride with us. So... Just uh, FYI, as of this recording, you can find all four of these Matrix films on Amazon, on Blu-ray, on Amazon US for only $14.96. So that's definitely worth the purchase if you don't own them already. Anything to add to the Matrix announcement, Mark? Uh, Not really. I'm actually really excited to uh, watch the Matrix uh, trilogy again uh, because all I really... Uh, watch is the original matrix uh mm-hmm. the sequels i think i watched them once and that's it um so i just remember is andy dick in one of the matrix sequels dancing in zion or is that a snl <laughs> sketch i don't remember <laughs> we'll find I, out i i don't remember but uh, yeah so i'm looking forward to watching them again uh, some almost for the first time uh, mm-hmm. I, I do remember one there's one sequence or one line where he talks about, or this French guy talks about wiping his ass with silk. And for some reason, that's always uh, stayed with me. So, yeah, uh, yeah excited for <laughs> watching that again. Awesome. And, I'm ex- and I'm excited for Slasher as well. It'll uh, it'll be uh, nice to get some more TV under my belt since uh, I find I'm watching too many movies. So, yay. Exactly. Very good. All right. So that's going to wrap things up for this week and this mm-hmm. arc. So we really hope you guys enjoyed going through these awesome Scandinavian horror films with us these past few months. And hopefully you're just as excited to join us as we move on to the Matrix series. We'll be starting that series next Monday, March 19th. Um, also note that we'll uh, likely be taking that following week off. At least that's the plan as of right now. So we'll have the Matrix released next week. Take a week off and then release the other three episodes of this next arc over the following three weeks as long as everything goes according to plan. So that is what we're looking at. So as always, if you have any questions for us here at the show, please hit us up on Twitter using that hashtag InFilmWeTrust. And uh, if you're not on Twitter, you can call us at 1-302-448-TALK or email us at contact at cinefessions.com. And if you like what you're hearing, please leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, or wherever else it is you might be listening to us. We always, you know, promote those iTunes reviews because those are super important to helping us grow. But if you don't use iTunes and you do use Stitcher Radio or Google or some other podcast catcher that I'm not talking about, leave us a review there because that will help as well. So 
Um, and then tell your friends about us. That's that's the best way to get the, uh, you know, word of mouth is the best way to help us grow. So we appreciate that. And then another reminder, you can always find us on social media. We love interacting with you guys there. You can find us at Cinefessions on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. So make sure you're following along on all those platforms. And Mark, reminder listeners, where else they can find you online? You can find me on Twitter at Mark underscore Nadeau. That's M-A-R-C underscore N-A-D-E-A-U. And on Instagram and on Letterboxd at uh, mnado 2 Excellent. And you can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd under the Simon1. That's P-S-Y-M-I-N-1 tag, username, whatever. Yeah. So you can find me there. All right, Mark. We did it. We did our first double ender. How do you feel? Uh... Surprisingly uh, okay. Good. I guess I, I guess we'll know how we feel after we hit stop and see well, if anything actually recorded. But <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, well, uh, hopefully, uh, I, I uh, we sound cl- crystal clear, and uh, yeah, hopefully, uh, all this tech stuff at the beginning uh, was not for naught. So was worth it. Exactly. All yeah. right. Well, excellent. So as always, we want to say thank you to everybody for listening to episode one hundred and twenty-two of the Cinefessions podcast, and remember. In film, we trust. We'll catch you next time. <laughs>